from the broken ruins of Babylon. This is End of Days Radio. It is I, Daniel, broadcasting to you all the way from the shimmering Emerald City right here in the heart of the Pacific Northwest. Hello, how are you? How are you doing? Oh my god, it has been so long. Today's date is October 24th, 2018. Today's guest is William Ramsey. We'll talk about him in just a second. But first, I just wanted to say one thing. Did you miss me? Did you miss me? Did you miss me? How much did you miss me? Did you miss me quite a bit? I know that you did. It's been way too long. I do apologize. I had some stuff that I needed to do. I kind of like to do things that way. I like to do a buttload of shows and then just take a little time for myself. Take a break so that I can decompress and I can think about what exciting new direction I want to take things in. You get the idea, right? I needed some me time. I needed a little time to shuffle my cards and get back on the right track. And I kind of needed to do some spring cleaning around the house as well, which I hope you understand. But again, did you miss me? Did you miss your little Daniel? <laughs> Did you miss that cute little guy? Did you miss him? Boop. That's me touching your nose or touching my nose. Boop. Oh, it's good to be back. It's good to be back in these broken ruins, these cracking, crumbly, deteriorating broken ruins. In this modern-day Babylon, Babylon the Great, Babylon the Bold, Babylon. Babylon is Babylon shall fall. When will that be? Perhaps we will never know or see. But we've got a show to do. This is not only the kickoff of a brand new season of End of Days Radio. A brand new season of End of Days Radio. You didn't know we had seasons, did you? You didn't know that. You didn't know that we had seasons, and we had a new theme song. Did you hear the new theme song for the new season? I hope that you did. I hope that you like it. I actually made this one. Long story. I might tell it someday, but I actually did create that. Not to pat myself on the back, but I did. I like to make music. Uh, when I first started doing this show, I, I was kind of new to making music, but I hope that I've gotten at least a little bit better. I've certainly taken a great deal of criticism for my music, but uh, hey, that's how it goes. You got to keep practicing until you get good at something. I like to think I'm getting good by now. I hope I am. I hope I'm getting better at this and not worse. There's always the possibility that I'm getting worse. And if that's the case, then, well, I will just have to keep sucking. <laughs> of course I don't suck. How silly. But, Let's get on with the show, shall we? We've got a guest, a great guest tonight. Once again, that's William Ramsey. Our guest tonight is William Ramsey. This is his second appearance on the show. <clears throat> Attorney, author, and researcher William Ramsey is a graduate of the University of California. 
California Berkeley with a degree in history. Mr. Ramsley, Mr. Ramsey also has a JD and is a member of the State Bar of California. He has written Prophet of, Prophet of Evil, Aleister Crowley, 9-11 in the New World Order. That's one of his books. There's also a, Abomination, Devil Worship, and Deception in the West Memphis Three Murders and Children of the Beast, Aleister Crowley's Shadow Over Humanity. That's the last one. The middle one was Abomination, Devil Worship, and Deception in the West Memphis Three Murders. And then that last one again was Children of the Beast, Aleister Crowley's Shadow Over Humanity. William Ramsey has also made two documentaries, Occult Hollywood Volume 1 and Prophet of Evil, Aleister Crowley 9-11 and the New World Order. So let's go ahead and get him on the line. Do you mind if I post this interview on my YouTube channels? Oh, no, not, a, not at all. This show, oh. it's, it's completely free. We don't have any advertisers or anything. It's just to oh, cool. spread knowledge and you know help, help people out. And um, you can totally go ahead and do that. I don't have any like restrictions as far as guests re- reposting stuff. Now, individuals out there, I kind of don't like when you guys do that because I don't want you to profit off of my creation. This show is free. So I don't gotcha. want you. Yeah, I don't want people taking a free show and then making money off of it. That kind of grinds my gears. But otherwise, it's totally cool. Yeah. But you, but you can. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I've put other people's shows on, but I don't. I mean, the money I make is less than five dollars a year. I mean, it's nothing. Nobody. I have a thousand listeners, you know, max at a time. So, not like I make that much money. Oh, that's not too bad. Thousand listeners. That's a pretty good following. Yeah, it's not bad for, for an unknown person like me. Not too shabby. Yeah, a lot. A lot of people out there just have like three. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm fortunate in that way. That I guess. I mean, I'm not Alex Jones or somebody like that. So. Yeah, yeah. We could um, talk about Alex all night. We can. We can talk about a lot of stuff. We have to catching up to do. It's been like two years, right? Yeah, two years. Uh, we did have a really excellent interview the first time around. Uh, we got very deep into it. But I should probably start off by just asking you how you've been. Is there um, anything Good. currently going on that you'd like to touch on? Well, a year ago, I finished a movie, a three-and-a-half-hour movie that's available on Vimeo titled The Smiley Face Killers, who is abducting, torturing, and murdering young college-age men in the U.S. and U.K. So I put that out about almost a year to the day uh, in October of last year, and I've had very good reviews. You can check out the reviews on my video, Vimeo page, V-I-M-E-O. Uh, just look up Smiley Face or William Ramsey and the movie will come up. But uh, people can rent it for five bucks. I think it's reasonable or purchase it for 12. Um, and there's tons and tons of information. But I think it's an important movie because these men have been inaccurately uh, t- titled or or put in a box where they supposedly accidentally drowned. And I make the case that they were meant to look accidentally drowned, but they were actually murdered. So that's the kind of gist of the whole movie. And it's a large number. It's like 50, there's probably a hundred to two or hundred cases, if not 300 of these types of cases in the U S UK and all over the world. Uh, what, what, uh, could you give us kind of the um, whole story of how it started and, and how it uh, started to come under public attention? Absolutely. There were two original police officers, Duarte and Gannon, out of New York City, that noticed that there was this pattern of young men being found in water, particularly in New York. There's a lot of cases in New York. And then another professor by the name of Gilbertson 
this started happening in the 90s. So they actually put out a book called Case Studies in Forensic Drownings, which is a superb book. Um, there were also a couple of journal- journalists, this one girl, Christy Peel, that kind of started covering these cases. And <clears throat> they noticed this pattern. So they did a very forensic look into many of these cases, noticed that some of these young men, you know, they were being abducted in college towns. Uh, and there was a high prop, high preponderance of GHB, which is an endogenous uh, substance in the human body, but in large doses, it causes uh, blackouts, kind of like an extreme drunk state, but people become very pliable. It's also known as the date rape drug. But those guys were really the original um, original guys. They actually just did a, an interview recently. I hadn't been able to contact them uh, while I was doing the research for my my film, but they were the originals and uh, that was really kind of the baseline. And I, as I was, I, the reason I got into what was known as the smiley face killers is because I was researching Alistair Crowley and I kept noticing the smiley face associated with a lot of these occultists. Alan Moore uses it in this Watchmen movie. And I wanted to know the meaning. I wanted to know why these people had the smiley face. I wanted to know why there was an occult meaning. Cause I do believe that there's a surface meaning, but there's also an occult meaning. And I think that Alan Moore actually explains it very concisely within the Watchmen uh, comic book and movie. And that is that life is a big joke. It doesn't matter what you do. And actually, if you watch the Watchmen movie, the introductory scene is the uh, consists of the murder of the comedian who went to Vietnam and killed people indiscriminately and enjoyed it. So I do believe that theme is associated with this span of killings. I do believe the people committing these crimes are, are thinking about it. You know, they're not casual, like uh, lust criminals or somebody who, you know, just commits a murder in a random way. I do believe these are planned events and they, they have things figured out from the beginning and the end. So the smiley face killings, there's been some excellent research. There was uh, a book called, or there's a website called footprints at the river's edge, I believe that, that followed all these cases. And there's just an incredible amount of cases through multiple jurisdictions. And so what I did is so I started researching and I talked to a variety of different people who looked into these cases differently. They saw things in Boston. They saw things in New York. There was one girl called Elite, and her name was Elise Soper. And you can listen to these on the YouTube, my YouTube channel, William Ramsey Investigates, if you're interested. But she actually made a post about this suspicious drownings that happened in Boston alone. And her um, blog just spiked. Everybody was interested, like, yeah, there's something wrong here, you know. But she saw it from saw this phenomenon from her place at Boston. She did an excellent job, and I, I researched, I, I interviewed her. But there's another guy, Jerry, Gary J, out of the Manchester. They call this phenomenon the pusher, and he's putting out a documentary very soon. I think by the end of the year, I'm featured in it, talking about the subject because I researched the Manchester cases and the Bristol cases, um, which is in kind of the south western part of the uk but um you know so i I saw little pieces and really my chief researcher was jim smith and we kind of just crossed paths probably two years ago as we were both researching it and he's he's still researching these cases to this day and has done a superb job kind of uh, organizing things like that but he uh also saw this pattern so really my goal was to i really just wanted to figure out is this really happening is this um, are these cases legit? And after my research, you know, I started watching these men disappear and then being found in water. Probably one of the first ones was a case by the name of Joey LeBute out of Columbus, Ohio. 
and he disappeared. And for 18 days, nobody knew where he was. And I was following that case day after day and watching developments. And then his body was found in the Scioto River in Columbus, Ohio. And that case was actually featured on a very popular true crime podcast called True Crime Garage. And I've talked to those guys about that case in particular. But like many of these other people analyzing these suspicious water deaths, they only see, I I believe they only saw the smaller picture. And my film tries to encapsulate the larger picture to show that these types of cases are happening all over kind of the Western world. And they know it. So that was really uh, an interesting kind of true crime. I've written another true crime book about the West Memphis Street case and my take on that case, which was not uh, very popular. Um, but um, I do think that it's an important, this, this, what's known as the smiley face killers. The reason it got its name by Gilbertson again is because they saw a correlation between these spray painted smiley faces that were close to the scenes of these crimes. And there was actually one case where, and it was out of Michigan, this young man, somebody put a smiley face on his gravestone two years after the day. So that's how this kind of phenomenon got the name smiley face killers. And I actually kind of got involved saying, well, I want to discount the connection between this symbol and these, these cases. And I really couldn't because they were still showing up. There was another case out of Boston by the guy by the name of Zach Marr, whose people found a spray-painted spray painted smiley face. He disappeared out of the downtown area. He was kicked out of a bar. And, uh, yeah, so it's a very dark tale. And I, I do not believe – in all of the cases, I cover about 50 cases in my documentary. And I believe that every single one of those cases – was somebody who was met by misadventure and did not die accidentally. Still there? Oh, sorry. I had an audio issue in the background. I had to turn off real quick. Um, One thing I wanted to ask about the smiley face killers, uh, this is very perplexing, of course, uh, and very mysterious, these smiley faces. Um, You said they were given a drug. How could this... this was not a sexual thing? They weren't raped? Well, that's a great question. I believe that that is the primary motivation for these cases. So I kind of just wanted to get the word out. I don't, they're not, what's not there is any financial uh, crimes. You know, there's no, somebody doesn't go to their ATM and steal their money. So I think that the, 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 if you look at the pool of the victims, they're almost all kind of within, they have a low body mass index. They're very generally athletic, good looking. So I do believe that they fit a type that certain predators are interested in. So that's why they're young college-age men. I believe they're college-age men because they're much more vulnerable after leaving home at 18, living out by themselves and being out late at night. So I do believe that these predators and in different in different jurisdictions hunt for these men late at night at bars. And, um, you know, some are drugged and some aren't. There was a case out of Boston, a guy by the name of Kelleher, he came out of a uh, Boston Celtics game and called an Uber and disappeared. And he looked pretty good. I mean, the thing is, if you watch my movie, you can tell that a lot of these men are not stumbling drunk. Some are, but some are definitely upright. But he um, he walked out and they pinged his cell phone going the wrong direction from his house. He was at this park called Paul Revere Park. So, you know, that was one case that was high. high and there was another case that happened nearby there called a guy by the name of Hurley. Same thing. He was waiting for his girlfriend to pick him up, pick her up. And he was just sitting there on a corner and disappeared, literally disappeared right from a ball game and then was found in the river. Both Hurley and Keller are found in the same part of uh, the river there in Boston. So 
I do believe that these are uh, lust crimes. They're not financial crimes. And they do kind of, I mean, most of the earlier cases were all kind of white people, but I think there's been some other cases that involved, you know, people Hispanic, people of Asian background, um, some African American. So it's, uh, the pool isn't specifically all, you know, white Westerner types. And I believe earlier you said they were tortured, right? Well, I do believe they're held. I don't know the full extent of the torture of every individual, but there are, there's evidence that there was a kid named Hart out of Rhode Island who clearly had signs that he was tortured. Uh, they're really the one of the earlier cases that Gannon and Gilbertson keyed in on was this young man named McNeil out of New York who was found in a water treatment facility in the south part of the Hudson uh, Bay. And he, um, once the, the parents didn't know what happened to him, but once they got the autopsy, it showed that he had been blowtorched on the upper part of his body. I think he had chipped teeth and uh, element of a hammer claw to his head. Oh, man. As if somebody took him a hammer. Yeah, so it, what, uh, what a very famous forensic pathologist by the name of, oh, it's escaping me, but he said that it looked like somebody he had been restrained before he was tortured, which is why the upper part of his body showed those. Cyril Wecht is the, um, he's a famous kind of forensic. He's worked on the JFK assassination. But, uh, so he looked at this case and said, look, this guy's tortured. So I do believe that many of these cases, the reason why, one of the inter- one of the puzzling phenomenon of these cases is these men will disappear and then there will be a massive search. There will be a search for two, three weeks looking. There were uh, water teams uh, sniff dogs like hound dogs and some of the hound dogs will find traces of the scent but oftentimes these men disappear and then reappear in areas that had already been previously searched so i do believe that abduction is a form of torture and they're kept somewhere alive for a period of time before they're uh, murdered and then put in river there was a case out of pittsburgh i believe it's two years ago what last year? Maybe it was 2017. His name is uh, Dakota James was missing for 40 days. And when they found his body, the place where they found his body had been searched the previous day. Cyril Weck, by the way, lives in Pittsburgh. So, uh, you know, I got some info. Well, yeah. So that case he, he looked into, too. So uh, that's a hyper suspicious days. Where is the body for 40 days now? A, a normal body decomposes you know a, a prior when people deceased they decompose and oftentimes in water they'll float to the surface or they're easily found uh, generally found and where was this person dakota james for 40 days why wasn't he found after a serious search of the i think it's the ohio river so um and that's the, that's the same and if you watch the documentary i tried to emphasize that theme by looking at you know all of these police officers say we just checked there yesterday oh yeah we looked for him why didn't we find him there's another case out of uh pennsylvania a young man was at a bar in maniunk and his name uh, escapes me right now but he was found in four feet of water but the water that had been previously checked that that men had walked down and watched it so why wasn't he found in an obvious place um so yeah, so these that's that's like the uh you know, uh his name was Shane Montgomery out of Maniunk, uh Pennsylvania. And there's a lot of cases in Pennsylvania. They're definitely hot spots. Pennsylvania, uh, Philadelphia, New York, uh the college towns in, in the far north 
of Wisconsin and Minnesota. And, you know, so it's definitely, and there's, but there's been cases out, there's been cases in Atlanta, California, Portland, a lot of cases in Portland. Um, so this phenomenon, it's, uh, you know, it's important to get that warning out if you're a younger man drinking at a bar, because like women know that they could be drugged at a bar, but men are oblivious that they could be victims. And I think a lot of these men who were victims never saw it coming. You know, they had no idea that some, there was a predator that was sussing them out. And there's actually been stories that have come to my attention of men uh, telling stories, being in a bar. Um, some guy comes up to him, starts asking questions, um, you know, what's your name, you know, getting, trying to get a background, like they're trying to get information on these people. And one of the interesting things about these cases is that none of these very few, I don't think there's anybody of all these cases who was famous or had political connections, which I find, you know, rather remarkable. So, it's almost like somebody doesn't want somebody who does family isn't powerful will figure out what's going on. You know, they want somebody from a middle class kind of family. And so, do the bodies show that they had been raped? Well, that's a great question, and I think that I don't have access to the autopsy reports. Uh, those are family matters. It actually is hard for the families to obtain the autopsies, but um, there's been no real look into whether there's, there's evidence of rape on these bodies, and I think. You know, it's interesting since I put out the movie a year ago, I, I, I wrote in my my summary that, you know, I, here's a quote. Federal and state authorities should assume any body of a young man found in water who had disappeared after a night out has more likely been murdered than died accidentally. So I think that that was the, the why the, these cases be, got away with it is that they the police looked at these bodies and said, oh, he must have fell in the water and drowned, right, instead of. Uh, misadventure. So if their cops are looking at it that like away, an accident surrounding, not a murder, they're not going to take evidence. You know, they're not going to look at the scene. And uh, within the last year, some of these men who are found in water suspiciously are now the cops are actually, the police are actually, uh, there was a case, where was it? I think it was Atlanta, where the cops said, oh, well, this is a very suspicious death. We're treating it as a suspicious death, which was very different than, than before. So I think, uh, Really, some of these other cases, like Joey Labute, the, co- the police actually said, we don't know how he got in the water. And it was interesting, Joey Labute, when he died, he was at kind of a bar that was associated with gay bar. He was involved. He was he was gay. He was on some kind of dating app, like a men's dating app. Uh, so he was communicating. But on that weekend, there was um, a bodylifting tournament called the Arnold Schwarzenegger Classic. So... There's a potential that the, the person who, you know, was involved in Joey Labute's death flew into town, you know, crime was committed and left. It would have to be a pretty, well, maybe not necessarily, but it, it seems like it would have to be a big, strong individual. Pot- you know, potentially. If you look at the, uh, you know, not all these men are huge. They're not, I would say they're more on the slider side, so... You know, there's a lot of ways people can get get in trouble. I mean, if they're drugged and people know they're drugged, and I've always, you know, I thought some of these bartenders and some of these other people might be involved in these cases. So it's not outside of the realm of possibility that they get slipped a Mickey. Now, including my documentary cases where guys like woke up under the train. There was a guy who woke up in a very strange place, and they took him to court. The police did to charge him something. He said, "Be careful and watch your drink," because I don't even know how I got there. You know, so. You know, there, uh, 
these things are potentials, you know? So, yeah. And it really highlights the danger of something that I really try to avoid, which is going out to places like clubs and bars by yourself, because uh, that just puts you, it turns you into a huge target, really. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great point. And a lot of these cases are associated with uh, fetish clubs or something like that. There was one oh. guy out of Washington, D.C., who was at a bar that sidelined is also a BDSM bar, right? So uh, when he died, he was found upriver. His name was Arvind Sharma. It was a strange kind of a, he was a Nepalese. So he was from Nepal, kind of uh, in the northern part of India, this country in between India and China. But he, um, when he was dead, his brother said something to the, the public. He said, Arvin must have been somewhere or saw something he shouldn't have seen, you know? So, um, yeah, so he was, I think that he, he got separated. There's a lot of these stories where somebody gets separated from their friends, they get kicked out of a bar and then things go wrong. So, uh, there is a lot of danger. And, you know, if you look at the, the documentary I made, it's in different cities, different places where this is happening. And I connect it to the kind of rise of the internet where information can be exchanged in the dark web and the rise of kind of, uh, fetish, uh, which have probably always been there, but fetish sites like FetLife. And if you look through, I did some research. There was a movie on uh, Netflix called Kink. And there are sequences in there involving men where they're torturing each other with water, you know. So um, if that's, uh, you know, I do believe that that's, that's a important uh, factor in all these cases. Is this do, kind do you mean of- like waterboarding? Like there's a scene that I show in my movie where there's a dude in like a bathtub and a guy standing over him and just shoving his head in the water. And it's be, it's being filmed for like, uh, you know, like gay, gay porn, but like, you know, just, just like that, that to me is something that could be associated easily with all these cases is that they're pre-drowned somewhere else and then put in water. And that's, uh, you know, really, of course, a really good point that you bring up because in recent years, probably the last, I don't know, five, seven years, uh, BDSM or S&M or, or uh, uh, B&D or whatever you like to call it, it Fetish, has become right. yeah, super mainstream, super accepted, super mainstream, and increasingly so as years go by. It's an interesting point. And I, I think that that's something associated with these cases. And I actually, I don't want to ruin like, my findings, but I found murderers in London and in the Northeast and traveling guys who were in bands who were into this stuff. Uh, things that were actually, there was one video that really I keyed into. That was a video called broken that was associated with, um, sorry. Uh, his name is Trent Reznor and he, he had this, this underground film called broken. That is a sequence that shows the abduction, torture, and murder of a man, like in a in a you know underground environment. And uh, I was I'm like, assuming this... this is Trent Reznor of uh, Nine Inch Nails. Correct. Okay. Correct. So, and I don't know. This movie was like people thought it was real, like it was very um, realistic, and so that was kind of what where the kind of light bulb went off in my head. Like this fits the sequence of this. It's incredible too because. This young man that they abduct in the video looks like the standard SFK victim, you know. So you can I, you can watch that on my uh, film, which is overly long, but there's a lot of information there, three and a half hours. And that's um that's another thing that it well what I'm trying to say is nowadays 
everybody's so sensitive about uh, not saying anything bad about gays it's discrimination et cetera et cetera but th- there is a certain dark side where these men are having to go out and because they are so ashamed of themselves and what they're doing they go out alone and they don't tell anybody where they're going yeah there's a lot of furtiveness like uh, underground and i t- i tied this into this underground and it's important to remember that heterosexuals do things just as bad to women men do it to women there was a guy called the love box killer outside of truth and consequences new mexico he was at a bar he had a team he had people helping him where he would drug women take him to this place and torture him and kill him and then dump him in the desert they actually don't know how many people he killed um, but that was something similar to these types of cases. So that was a heterosexual case. And I do believe one of the mysteries and confusing aspects of these SFK killings is just like that. People don't understand this kind of sub- subculture, so they don't comprehend what's happening to these men. I think that that's one of the things. But um, certain segments of the homosexual lifestyle are, are just as BDSM, just like men, you know, so or, or heterosexual. So. Uh, there was an interesting you say that too because I brought up there was this movie that was done by the guy who directed um, the Exorcist. His name was William Friedkin, and he did a movie with Al Pacino, which a lot of people don't know about, but it's about it's called Cruising, and it involved the hunt for a gay serial killer, somebody who was killing gay men, I believe, in New York City. So Al Pacino plays a detective who goes underground and starts going to like these really like fetish gay bars, and it was. Uh, fast, it was fascinating to watch that because I felt like this was a correlation with these cases. But also, the history of that film brought tons of resistance. Like, really, the certain members of that community came out and like protest, protested the filming and disrupted it and all the stuff. So they're very sensitive about some of the information that Friedkin was willing to put in the film, which is extremely graphic um, depictions of uh, some of these practice, like BDSM fetish practices. So. Uh, you know, it, that, that is, um, I think that, yeah, you're right. There, there is, and it, it's interesting too, you bring that up because there's a correlation. I studied a lot of these cases and there's a significant number, probably 10 or 15 cases where these men are on grinder or something else. You know, I don't know what the other, there's a couple other gay, uh, meetup sites or whatever, but that's a correlation too. So those things are very dangerous. And I had people tell me, you know, it's really easy to spoof spoof a name and spoof a whole personality. So, you know, if somebody's thinking about it, if there's a serial killer, they put up a fake, you know, name. And also, like, I think, you know, uh, some people, these men get lured into something. They think they're meeting one dude, right? But, oh, yeah, just come back to my place. It'll be just you and me. And then there's three other guys there and things go south, right? Yeah, but so, so, basically like what's that. happening is they're – they're thinking with their private parts and they're getting so excited they're ignoring the danger. Right. So they're lured in, lured by money maybe. The fact that they're college students too may be that they're financially vulnerable too is something I've thought. So maybe they're lured something where else, somewhere else. So yeah, it's 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 really a, a shame and there's a lot of uh, broken families and parents who had their hearts ripped out. There was this, you know, I was telling you about Dakota James, but his family, you know, made a burial plot. I mean, it's, ter- it's just a terrible story, but they made a family burial plot, and here's their son who has died from what I believe was a murder, and all of the family parents' names and uncles' names are there. So he passed away before them, you know? So, And that's not the way 
know, God intended it. So it's just a, it's just a real heartbreaking shame. Some of these cases. Yeah. And and I watched these cases. So I've probably watched Jim Smith has probably seen 20 to 30, at least men disappear, follow their cases and then watch them end up dead in water. So he's literally watched these murders take place. It's incredible. I've seen five or 10, you know, this list of like, dude, if this guy gets found in water, I'm going to freak out. And there it is again. Oh man. I also have to wonder if this whole thing might be coming from the killer's uh, hate of his own sexuality. Like this is his way of expressing um, his own hatred towards himself for being a homosexual. Possibly, you know, that I wouldn't say that's outside of the realm of possibility. There was a case that was very recent that happened in Toronto and the killer's name was MacArthur and he was a homosexual predator. And they read, they caught him. There were men disappearing. There were actually a lot of like missing posters. There's tons of missing posters associated with these cases. And they were that I, I included in my movie, you know, cause people want to find these, these men, but this MacArthur guy, um, you know, gay bar. And he would, he was bare, he was burying his bodies at the bottom of, it's pretty grim, but, um, he was burying the bodies at the bottom of planters. So he would plant a tree above it. And that's how he got rid of bodies. But, you know, God only knows how many people that he murdered. And he could have been one of the smiley face killers. You just don't know. You know, somebody who's traveling around, you know, a predator. You just don't know. And to these people, uh, the body, there doesn't necessarily have to be a rape because um, the act of stabbing or torturing, that is a sexual thrill to the murderer. Or, yeah, right. So tying somebody up, putting a gimp mask on them, you know, these kind of like, leather masks there's a lot of weird stuff and if you like i live in los angeles and there are definitely fetish bondage stores and uh, y'all look in the window and there's a gimp mask like what the hell's going on what do you what are you guys up to so um yeah it's really dark but i do believe that that's that's the the, the sum thing and, and the victims aren't all necessarily gay they fit a, maybe a gay ideal but maybe only half which is really an overwhelming amount. I mean, it shows that this is kind of like a homosexual crime. It half the people who are victims gay, but um, it doesn't mean that all the victims are within that lifestyle. Yeah, there's uh, extremes going on too because there's plenty of people who practice these uh, BDSM things that don't take it to a bloody or extremely painful or grotesque extreme either. Agreed. Yeah, I think it's a subset. There was a there was an interesting case here um, that was covered by – it was on the Ed Opperman report, and the guy's name was Skip Chasen, but he had some kind of – he was in Los Angeles. The interesting thing is the guy worked on big-time deals. He was very well-connected in one of these uh, law firms or agencies where he would do multimillion-dollar um, uh, movie deals involving huge celebrities, like A-list celebrities. But on the side, he was known as like Master Skip or Master Bob. He was into BDSM and he had a home dungeon in Los Feliz, you know, this part of Los Angeles where somebody died. Like he literally, literally um, suffocated somebody to death and he kept his job, went back to work. You know, they was termed an accidental death and that was that. And it's incredible. Um, the guy's name, the journalist who covered that case, like, it'll come to me. But yeah, so there's like another case where somebody accidentally like gets taken to that level where, you know, tortured to death. And here in LA, Skip Chasen, 
You can look it up, C-H-A-S-E-N. Uh, do you feel like in most of these cases it's it's like the one you mentioned uh, where it's one guy or do you feel it's most likely um, small groups or even um, some sort of network of guys doing this? That's an excellent question. And it, I, can't, I would say that it's all of the above. So I do believe that there are individual predators. I believe that there are group predators. And I do believe that some there may be communication through the dark web about this, how they figured out this kind of MO. Because at first glance, it's like the perfect crime. You take, you can, if you're, that's what your thing is, you can abduct somebody, put them in water and fool the police and nobody will follow up, right? Because he drowned or the kid drowned or he, you know, nobody really knows what happened. So I do believe that that's why there's this commonality, this similar MO that's happening in multi jurisdictions is that somebody learned this MO, whether somebody's traveling between different, you know, um, BDSM places or something, or they're communicating in the dark web. There's some really dark stuff in the dark web. Oh, yeah. And another thing that's important to bring up about these BDSM activities is there's certainly always a phase where it requires you to put some sort of trust into the other person participating. And that's a great time to take advantage of a person. And when they're already tied up, drug them or be begin killing them or beating them or uh, that's why they have safe words and things like that because you're supposed right, to trust, trust the other that. person right so that's master slave right so yeah the slave is supposed to trust it's interesting that you brought that up because it brought to mind uh, john wayne gacy because um he would he his thing was he liked young boys or whatever 13 14 year old boys but he would befriend them super nice get them to the point where they would trust him and he would put cuffs on them like, oh, it's no big deal. I'll show you. I'll show you where the key is, you know. He would lure them in, and once he had the cuffs on, his whole personality changed. And that's when the kids got, you know, off. Stop again. God damn. Sorry. Um, uh, that's when things went south. So, you know, I think that some that phenomenon is, is possibly happening, something like that, you know. We're like, oh, trust me, no, everything will be fine. And it's interesting you bring that up because one uh, the MacArthur case that I was talking about out of Toronto – there were survivors or people who had been with him and said that he, you know, did things that were he would take a person all the way to the edge of suffocating or death, you know. And oh, one of the fascinating things is the reason when he got caught, this MacArthur guy, the police busted in to his apartment and he had somebody tied up on the bed. He had somebody <laughs> in bondage. Yeah, it's an incredible story. So I think that that's why the police actually broke down the doors. They thought he had another victim. So, yeah, that's just an incredible case. So so when you look at all these cases, and I include a lot of the potential uh, murderers, when you look at them all, you see these similarities. There's one guy, oh, I'll tell you out of, the, out of the documentary, his name is Stephen Port, but he was on three, he was 40 years old, he wore like a wig, but he was, um, he had GHB just lying around his house all the time, and he was GHBing men, and he was on three different gay meeting sites, and... um he would, he, his victims were all disposed in a church courtyard. He wrote fake notes and made them look like drug overdoses. But, uh, it was like watching. And one of the remarkable things about the port case is he got away with it over and over again, kind of like the smiley face killer cases where nobody keys into what's going on. He got rid of it over and over again. And the way he got caught from doing this was the family of one of the victims wanted the CCTV video, which the police just overlooked. And they got the CCTV video of their loved one and said, who's this guy with, jo you know, John? 
who's this other guy? Who's walking with him? And the police are like, I don't know. Well, the family found out who it was and found out that Stephen Port was associated with other mysterious deaths, and that's how he got busted. So it's it, that case. And that was very recent. I think it was a 2016 arrest. So God only knows what else he was up to when he was traveling. He said that there was a network of predators, um, and he had been doing it for like his life, like a long time. And uh, there was an inquest, like the way that the, the Brits do it is if things go wrong, there'll be an inquest that study went wrong. And I think that like 25 people were censured or brought up for bungling uh, the port case because they could have stopped some of the deaths that happened. So, um, so there are, you know, potential killers out there. I do, I do believe there are serial killers, probably three or five or at least 10 or, or definitely groups. And I talk about groups in my documentary. So um, they're definitely uh, exemplars of these types of, of killers. Yeah, you know, I would hate to encourage anybody or anything like that, but the bottom line is that most of the killers that get caught right away, they get caught because they did something stupid. Um, a lot of these guys that give it a lot of thought, they, they target uh, homeless people, prostitutes, uh, in, in this case, uh, gay men at these BDSM bars and uh, meetup apps and sites and things like that. Uh, the, the guys that really give it a lot of thought, I, they they can kill 30 people, 60 people, even hundreds. It, it really boggles my mind how many people they're able to murder yeah it's, it's i mean look at john wayne gacy i mean how many people many 35 known and he actually dumped two of his victims in the river so he got to the point where he was he was disposing of bodies in a river um look at uh what is it jeffrey dahmer kind of like a strange bondage lured people home and drugged them you know um so he's, and he was homosexual so, yeah, so there's probably somebody out there who, you know, I think if they ever catch him, they'll just people will be in shock that this is, you know, this is a person who's killed that many people. In Gacy, especially John, John Wayne Gacy, he's he's always really bothered me. Just the whole idea of this overweight man dressing in clown makeup and then, uh, you know, s scaring the shit out of his victims before he tortures yeah. them to death. That that's just got to be one of the most terrifying things I can imagine. Much worse than the than the uh, Stephen King movie It, because this guy was real and, and real. Yeah, he's yeah. doing worse things, really. Well, it's interesting you brought up the Stephen King movie It because right at the beginning of the film. There's a depiction of a smiley face. So that somebody within that film, either the director or the writer or somebody put that smiley face in right at the first minute of the film. They actually draw a smiley face on a steamed up window. And I was like, oh, come on, man. Because because that's the theme. It's about killing without, you know, thinking it's fun. You know, the, the universe is a big joke. But, yeah, I mean, I think uh, John Wayne Gacy is very disturbing, too, because he was very social. He was like the head of the friars club, you know, he was, he was around tons of people all the time. There's a picture of him with Rosalind Carter, Jimmy Carter's wife, you know? So it's very disturbing. And people think that he might've been networked, that other people were involved in those, you know? So, yeah, it really, uh, really makes you have to ask certain questions because uh, when these networks do exist, they they kind of tend to uh, uh, take whoever got caught and turn them into the, um, you know, push it all onto them, so to speak. Right. Well, that's a great point. I mean, they say that Berkowitz, the son of Sam Killer, could not have killed all those people. There were other people involved, but the police had a suspect, and that was it. This is our boy. We're done. You know, the murders are, are done. So. That's like one of the, you know, it's the ultimate evil was a book by Maury Terry that explained, hey, it's something else is going on here. 
And that happens in other cases. You know, you just there was the case out of the Dutro case out of Belgium where all kinds of people were involved in this child abduction, horrible stuff, kept in dungeons, you know, um, raped, all that stuff. And some of the women died in these dungeons. So there are actually similarities between that case and I believe the SFK cases. But, uh, you know, it went all the way to the top. That whole case was suppressed. There was like people marching in the streets. The government all sh- almost shut down and – uh, you know, you might find, well, yeah, I mean, part of this, yeah, part of these cases is super disturbing. And I do believe, yeah, I mean, well, could, some, could these ones, some, could these ones have any sort of link to Satanism? Absolutely. Absolutely. No question. I believe that that smiley face is used in a, you know, words to have two meaning things. If you watch the documentary, You'll see the satanic, uh, you know, current that runs underneath these crimes. Yeah, that's so a, it's really disturbing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a very, uh, very powerful thing going on, especially considering that this Satanism it seems to underpin just so many things out there, like the music industry, maybe even the government. It, it just seems that these satanic sort of lines just stretch in every direction. It's a good point. If you will look at like Selena Gomez or Miley Cyrus, they're outfitted in all these smiley face attire. You know, it shows up in all these places. If you research the Pizzagate thing that went down in D.C., some of those Instagram accounts associated with Alephantis' account had with people wearing the smiley face. So you, it's an underground symbol. It goes back to Burroughs and, you know, uh, William Burroughs was a real crazy person. But I show the the line from Burroughs through some of these other people whose names I don't want to mention, but they're in the documentary. And I actually spent about an hour in the documentary showing all the smiley face references in films, books, and and music. So it's there. It's definitely there. I recall seeing it on uh, Nirvana shirts, I believe. Exactly. Nirvana. And where, where do you know that Nirvana and Cobain spent time with William Burroughs and they made an album together? I, I just recently learned about that connection. Yeah. That's a whole world onto itself. Very yeah. And there are pictures of them together. And then, and I want to. I'll give you a little, a little teaser. But I have pictures of who I think some of these perps were with William Burroughs in my documentary. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Was he? Uh, did he have something like that possibly going on? Well, um, I mean, he killed his wife under suspicious circumstances. Yes, supposedly put yes. an apple on her head. <laughs> but he was kind of, I think my understanding, I can't say I have a great knowledge of William Burroughs, but my understanding is he was like a multi, you know, sexual kind of occultist who knew about Crowley, knew about the 23 Enigma, which you see a lot around. Um, you actually can see the 23 Enigma and the smiley face in the movie Suicide Squad. The actual picture of Suicide Squad is a smiley face. They're uh, all in mm-hmm. uh, together in a smiley face look, if you look at that. And uh, they they drive a bus twenty three the twenty three Enigma two thirds of one is six 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 right. And, and speaking so. of Suicide Squad, uh, to circle back to something you said earlier about these guys having a belief that uh, life is meaningless, that that's pretty much the Joker by definition. That's what he right. believes. Exactly, that's exactly right. And you can you can look at Alan Moore, the Killing Joke, and uh, you know all this stuff. Yeah, so. It's something I just came across within the last week, um, a song by Motorhead, which is called Smile As You Kill. So that's an interesting connection. So these guys in the underground, 
know about some of these ideas, some of these concepts. But yeah, it's uh, it's really incredible. A lot of people are in on it. You know, I do believe a lot. I mean, if you look at the sim- smiley face symbology, you'll see it pop up all over the place. It's actually much more common, but it's there. I believe intentionally by a lot of these Hollywood elite types. Yeah. Who would think something so sweet and innocent as a smiley face would actually be something related to Satanism? (laughs) Not me, not me. That's the sinister aspect of it, right? Because it's just like a number, like Crowley's number is 93 and Satanists use it all the time because it equates to agape and thelema. But most people would look at 93 or 11, you know, the number of magic. They would just look at it and not know the secret meaning, but the insiders do, you know, people who've been initiated or stuff like that. So, um, yeah, you know, I've been waking up to a lot of this stuff recently. I used to hate uh, numerology and stuff like that. I just didn't understand it. But recently I've come to understand that this is actually a hidden code that these people use to communicate with each other. Yes, correct. Absolutely. I mean, that was the gist of my first book. That was the gist of my first book, Prophet of Evil, is that the numbers – of the whole, you know, 9-11 event, the date 9-11, the Twin Towers, the planes were all Crowley Thelemic numbers, you know. Can we go into that a little bit? Uh, this is just so fascinating. I know both the number 9 and the number 11 uh, do do symbolize something uh, in particular. Well, I'll let you go ahead and explain that. Well, I don't know the totality. I know 11 very well, but 9, my understanding is that that's the power number. It's the highest number before numbers start revolving into power of two. And um, Michael, not Michael Aquino, was the other guy, uh, Anton LeBay, all of his power kind of concepts were laid out in the nine numbers because of nine is a power number. So you'll see that nine. And 11 is the number of magic. It also symbolizes like certain negative energies within the Kabbalah. And... It also symbolizes the coming together of the macrocosm and the microcosm, which are represented by the numbers five and six. So five and six together equal 11, which is why Harry Potter's name is a five and a six and why his wand is 11 inches long. Right. So he's got all these power magic and these kids are being indoctrinated with this. They don't know the totality of it. But once they get older, if they get initiated, they'll figure it out. But 11 for Crowley was also the number of the new aeon. He believed that it symbolized his idea of the ideal world. So it's a much more scary number because he believed that, you know, the new Aeon was a new cosmological change that would take place in humanity. Um, so when you see this 11th, September 11th, that's what, that's why that date, that's why I believe the people who did 9-11 chose that date. I don't think they even have a choice. Um, but uh, so you see those numbers, 11, 77, 93, and 175. The reason 77 is important is it's seven is the number of the perfected man. Seven and seven is like a union of two people, but um, it also is the 77 infernal names of Satan. One of which name of the infernal names of Satan is Demo, the Demogorgon, which is why the Demogorgon is named that in Stranger Things, right? So that's just another name for Satan. So um, 77 is, is, and that's listed out in LeVay's books, but it also symbolizes like though 77 was the number of Babylon for Aleister Crowley and also Lieber Oz, which was the rights of man, this whole idea where you can do whatever you want. And if anybody thwarts, thwarts those rights, kill him. So he actually listed that out 
in this book, Liberace. So that's 77. And then 93, Crilly in his kind of scribblings used the Kabbalah to give numbers, uh, give words their numerical value. And two very important words and concepts within his religion, agape and thelema, equaled 93. So agape means love, thelema means world, uh, will. And actual the name, if you read um, the Book of the Law, which Crowley supposedly received by Satan, was received by Satan. Satan dictated him the law as Awas in 1904 in Egypt. There's a commandment that all of the followers will be known as Thelemites. So Thelema is 93. So you'll see this 93 banding about. One of the more fascinating numbers that concludes the 9-11 event is 175, which is a series of rituals that you do to prove that you adore your God. And it's uh, Crowley's, I forgot the name of it, but it's Lever 170. So Lever means book. But it's a remarkable piece and also a bookend that shows the deep dilemmic meaning and understanding of the perpetrators of the events of 9-11, that they would actually include a ritual that Crowley wrote. So all those thelemic numbers, and actually they were integrated within the Twin Towers, which were financed by Rockefeller family. David Rockefeller and Nelson Rockefeller provided the land for that and the UN, of all things, the United Nations, which is both on Manhattan. But those buildings themselves were built at 110 stories. So those are both an 11. But they're both an 11 featuring the skyline. And the number 11 for Crowley also was a – it was also kind of a visual thing that symbolized two things coming together. So when that building got torn down, <clears throat> they built a new building that looks like a hexagram. It's like a totally another occult illuminated building. So, uh, yeah, 9-11, it was kind of like a human sacrifice that involved things like you would see from the Wicker Man. Like the wicker man, the, 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 the non-initiates get lured into this wicker and burned to death. So, uh, yeah, so there's all, I mean, 9-11 was just an incredible event that people who are not initiated or do not understand the occult, like me back then, had no clue of really what happened. But I'm still trying to figure it out. It's 20 years since, you know. But yeah, me, yeah, me too. I, I just, uh, I, I become ever increasingly disturbed learning this stuff because, I mean, now if I was to see an event like this happen, if I saw the number eleven, I'd be like, oh, okay, it's them. Right. Well, me too. Like I was, I was once in Nevada, and there was a guy with a jacket ninety three, and I was like, I know exactly what you're doing, man. You're sending a signal out, you know, to your fellow Thelemites, people who believe that. So. You know, it's there. And I do believe that those were those numbers were signaling numbers to all Thelemites that this is, you know, this is an event. 2001 was the date. 9-11 was the day. And, uh, you know, I think it, it was, uh, you know, it's kind of like was the time meridian. You know, I think it's uh, 2000 years since, you know, Christ's, you know, birth. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I just it's just an incredible high Masonic event with. You know, people who really thought if you read like there was a guy, I think it was. Uh, oh, OK, there was a guy, it was Laffoli or was the guy who designed it and was literally receiving information from a demon. I forgot the name of it. Like he was he had this these ideas where they came from the demonic realm from other beings it's off the charts. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait. Yeah. It, yeah. And then there's an interview or really if you want to get blown, have your mind blown out. It was an interview with um, – oh, I see his face. I can't remember his name. He runs a podcast, but he had like a literal sit-down with this guy. And so you look up Laffoli, L-A-F-F-O-L-E-Y. 
and um, yeah, that is uh, extremely disturbing. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, even if I type this in, it says Paul Laffley, painter inspired by time travel and aliens, dies at eighty. But he was in Paranoia, uh, Paranoia magazine. But he also um, it was Freeman. Freeman interviewed him. You know who Freeman is? Oh, Freeman Fly. Yes, so he interviewed Paul Laffley. So you, I would definitely recommend looking at that and who who that guy was. So, so all things being considered, could somebody have uh, known that nine eleven was going to happen before it did just by Absolutely. looking at oh. the numbers? Or you know, I think that um, I think I do think that people knew nine eleven was going to happen. I do think that large amounts of people knew 9-11 to happen. And I believe uh, even larger amount of people knew it was an inside job once the day of it happened, right? But everybody was, like, too afraid to actually say something. Uh, the only person I didn't know was an inside job. It took me two or three years. I was like, something fishy's going on. But the real person was uh, – oh, God. <laughs> I can't remember these names. Now. But some people knew. They knew right away that it was uh, – was a huge stage event. It's really hard to believe it's a stage event because you also have to believe that all these other people are in on it. The media, the government, you know, all these other people just went along with it and then the military, but that's exactly what happened. <coughs> and so, what's really sad about it is there's an entire uh, subset of humans out there, uh, followers of Islam that got blamed for this bullshit, which is wrong on every level. I agree. Um, yeah, so I mean, I think that I think that whole thing was just a big, you know, uh, yeah, it was just, it was it was a structured thing to start a war. You know, they needed a, they needed an idea to start a war, and that was it. You know? As Dave McGowan was the guy who knew the day that it happened, and Dave McGowan wrote uh, weird time weird scenes inside the canyon. He also wrote really good stuff on his website about the. The Lincoln murder, Lincoln assassination. So Dave McGowan keyed into it right away. And also Bill Cooper. <laughs> Bill Cooper. Bill Cooper, the, right. Yeah. No, you're right. So you're right. So it's Bill Cooper and um, Dave McGowan. So they knew. That's two, Bill, you know, two the thing people. Is, is like we talk, I remember we talking on our last show about how the elites get rid of people and put somebody into their place. Do you remember that? Uh, that sounds like a conversation. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I vaguely remember talking. I talk about that, but who did who who Bill Cooper died, and who got inserted into that kind of space? Alex, Alex Jones, right? <laughs> and Bill Cooper's death is highly suspicious. They were antagonizing him, and you know he actually predicted his own death. Like they're going to get me. So he, he, I think he saw it coming. One thing that I uh, learned recently is if you're looking at an obituary and you see the number 11 a bunch of times, that means that there's a good chance that person's not even really dead. Really? Interesting. I didn't know that. Not surprised. I just sent you a, pic a young picture of Bill Cooper. I came across it. I was like, oh, man, he looks like a American military guy. <laughs> yeah, he's got that Captain America look. Yeah, he does. I mean, the guy was a giant dude before he, you know, before the really the internet. He was it was uh, Behold a Peril Pill Horse was really one of the original underground books. So, 
Oh my God, that book. Oh, I, you know, I read it um, way after the fact, of course, as an adult, and it was just every bit as impactful as I could possibly imagine it being, uh, you know, if you were to read it when Bill Cooper was first coming around. Yeah, there was a, uh, he did a series about the UN, like a bunch of different subjects. He titled it something, but those for me were very influential because I listened to all of them. And he talked about the, the waiting room inside the UN with the black cube of Saturn. So he had, he was keyed into a lot of this occult stuff, you know, before nine 11. So it's, uh, and he was he's also, a remar- remarkable guy. Yeah. He was also uh, one of the only people and first people to ca- call out all of these disinformation agents that are going right. around out there. Yeah. He was, he was against Jones, right? So very much I mean, so. Yeah. I mean, Jones parents are seeing like intelligence. It's not just a big mess. Yeah, even this recent thing, you know, since we're on the subject, I just got to ask, what do you think of this whole thing with Alex Jones getting kicked off of social media and getting banned and all of that stuff? I don't know. You know, it's just very odd. I think that, you know, if you wanted to give somebody credibility, you do these public things that everybody knows about, right? Like uh, maybe people have suspicions and his handlers said, okay, well, let's give him some credibility. Let's do this. Kick him off social media. So, you know, I, yeah, it's just very suspicious. So, I mean, I, I, you know, I, there's things, yeah. I mean, there's real, there's real problems there with Jones, man. Real problems, so. Yeah, and especially, I mean, uh, Jones, he was, this is a point I like to make, especially recently. He was this huge conspiracy guy, you know, very much against the government. And then suddenly overnight, he turns into the spokesperson for the Republican Party. Right. Oh, dude, he was like the primary head for Trump, right? Yeah. Prime, and he's he's sitting there with uh, Stone, this longtime Republican operative for 40 years, Roger Stone. So he turned that right for Trump, you know? Yeah. I mean, got him a lot amazing. of votes. Got him elected. You know, but I mean, you know, the Jones people, that's probably where, where that base went out. Once Jones told about um, the spirit cooking within the Podesta emails, People were like, well, this is a whole nightmare. we got to get out and vote. So a lot of those people may have been on the fence of voting. They're like, the Christians went out and said, nope, not going to go there, dude. Not going to vote for Hillary. So um, I was actually very fortunate because if Hillary became president, we would be in real trouble. Yeah, all things being even, uh, I don't think, you know, regardless of what's going on now, I don't think anybody would want Hillary in there. Oh, no, man. No, not at all. She when she did the, her most recent thing, I was looking at her. I was like, "This person's criminally insane." I actually didn't even look at her like she was like saying anything legit. It was just like a bunch of crazy, deranged stuff. I was like, "Whoa!" So yeah, I mean, we can get into that subject, but um, yeah. So I mean, I think a lot of suspicious stuff is happening. I do believe that if you look at this whole caravan thing, you look at the look at the um, oh, what is it? The Kavanaugh hearings were. That was clearly like a structured event for Max propaganda benefits. If you look at this kind of David Ho guy, the anti-gun thing. You, these are there are people actively groups, not just on the left but also on the right, who are involved in massive propaganda tactical campaigns. You know that are trying to have maximum effect upon the public. <laughs> so you got to watch out. So that's this whole Jones thing that he got kicked off of social media may be one of these things. You know. And hey, everybody's look, Jones is legit. He just got kicked off of Facebook and Twitter. No, he got kicked off of YouTube. This guy's really fighting for us, right? 
and, and kind of circling back to uh, a guy like Crowley or some of these Satanist types, when you think about it, these cults, these secret societies, these clubs, uh, basically what they are is control. It's mind control. It's you have to obey me and do what right. I say. So true. That's like the distillation. I did an interview where I said, mind control is the hap, is the is the handmaiden of the occult. It's always there. People getting into your brain and taking you over whatever, where they're trying to traumatize you, make you afraid. I do believe 9-11 was like this mass traumatizing event, which is true. It's traumatizing. So people then are, once they're traumatized, they're susceptible to suggestion. So just like you said, oh, I'm terrified. Oh, Osama bin Laden, Osama bin Laden. And people just go, oh, yeah, it's Osama bin Laden. I don't have any evidence. We'll just say that, right? So um if you look at a lot of these guys who are into the occult, they're all into mind control, man. They're all into mind. They all read books on mind control. They talk about it. LeVay was talking about mind control. If you look at uh, Michael Aquino, who was kind of an offshoot of LeVay, he wrote uh, – he was a psycholo- psychological operations guy from the military. wrote a, wrote a book from mind war – no, from, from psyops to mind war, you know, which means that he was trying to actually advance psy- psyops into a constant state of war on individuals' minds. Uh, it's a fascinating book. If you ever want to read some military-style um, – mind control stuff it's available oh yeah actually i i got a copy off of amazon and i read through the first chapter and i was so disgusted so pissed off and so angry at what i was reading i stopped reading it yeah it's amazing it's amazing got through one chapter before realizing that this there's something seriously wrong with justifying spying on your own people period right i mean there's real problems with that too yeah, I mean, so I mean, it's interesting that you brought that up, man. A lot of mind, and it's a lot of that happening today. And you know, it's there's all different types of mind control, but really, I think um, you really don't have to implant something in somebody's brain. You don't have to implant a receiver or anything. You just give them really crappy ideas, pound it in. What did George Bush say? Catapult the propaganda, you know. So he just kept saying that. I mean, he openly said it with a smile, like "Ha ha, I'm doing this to you," right? So it's a uh, Strange world we live in. Man. And with this Bin Laden character, I mean, if, if you want to call him that, um, the way that I see it, he's pretty much the fake terrorist from the book 1984 to a T. Right. Goldstein. Yeah, Goldstein. Absolutely. Totally agree with you. And I mean, that it's like somebody read 1984 and didn't take it as a cautionary tale. They took it as a blueprint, you know, like, oh, this is a great idea. Let's have a fake enemy. Let's drug people down, give them victory gin, victory cigarettes. Let's watch them all the time. Let's uh, control them, you know. That's really it. And the whole concept of the uh, double talk, that is just so prevalent nowadays. And somebody censoring everything, all that stuff. And also the um, the guy that helps uh, Winston and Julia, the uh, the fake uh, the fake rebel, the Alex Jones type. There's a character right. like that in the book That's too. Right. Oh man, it's amazing! And like the Ministry of Truth, they're all pyramids, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. So yeah, it's that's an incredible book. I need to read it again. Look, man, I wish I ha- I didn't have to do this, but I gotta run, man. I gotta I gotta cut this short. I'm really oh, sorry. Let's oh, re- no worries. let's redo it another one. Yeah, we got let's some. Do good- another one in the future. Sure. We'll yeah, we, subject, but we got some good info support. out there. Um, if you like, yeah. did, did you want to take another minute and just do a little closing, uh, give some plugs, or do a final yeah. statement or anything? Yeah. If Thanks it, for having me on your show. It's great to be back with you. And my movie is The Smiley Face Killers, who's uh, 
It's on Vimeo, V-I-M-E-O. You can look up William Ramsey or check that out. And I would highly recommend everybody watch that, particularly people in college or younger men, uh, because they, you are the target and you do not want this to happen to you. So please do check it out. It's, it's reasonably priced, and I think it's worth the value. Did you want to introduce your kitty to us? <laughs> no, my cat's coming. <laughs> the thing is, is that like once I sit down on a chair, she thinks it's time to just like she's got me mobile. I mean, immobile. So she just bothered <laughs> me the whole time. She's looking at me right now. She's staring at me. <laughs> I got to go, man. Thanks. All right. Take well, care. I really appreciate Cheers. having you on. Definitely want yeah, to do it again. I appreciate someday. you as well. Thank you. All right. Cheers. Good night, my friend. And that was William Ramsey. What a treat, right? Got into some good stuff. I wish we could have gone a little bit longer, but hey, I said an hour and we did an hour. So good enough for me. We will definitely have him on again. So there's so much to talk about. I've been gone so long. As you guys know, there's a second half to this show where I just kind of uh, go off and talk about whatever, whatever. And uh, oh my God. All of my music is like not in front of me. I'm not prepared like I should be. <laughs> but it's okay because there is plenty that I have here that I can play. Um, let's see here. Uh-huh. I did want to play this uh, this new Marilyn Manson cover of the Lost Boys song, Cry Little Sister. I figured that'd be a good one to play. So let's go ahead and do that while I jump outside and take a wee. And welcome back to the end of days. I am Daniel broadcasting to you for this second hour here in the shimmering Emerald City right here amidst these broken ruins. Did you miss me? (laughs) I've been gone a long time. And I've gotten so many emails, text messages, DMs, et cetera, et cetera. Daniel, did they get you? Daniel, where are you? Daniel, is End of Days Radio still going to go on? And the answer to all of those questions is yes. Yes and yes. Look, I needed to think. Sometimes we all need to think. Just think about... You think about what's been going on lately with me. I mean, come on. Some of this shit is just completely insane. We went so far down the rabbit hole. We went so far down the rabbit hole. I am still hearing things that we brought up here. I'm I'm hearing it like come up in other programming, like even mainstream stuff. That's how much of an impact this show has had on the collective mind. And no, I'm not delusional. No, I'm not... This isn't my ego talking. I'm not talking myself up. I'm not bullshitting you. It's the truth. The reverberations of this show are happening. And they are reaching much farther than many of us would want to even think. And I really think that this show played a part in some of the censorship that's been happening lately. The the big crackdown. The social media crackdown. I think this show is partly responsible for that. I believe that to be true. There's a lot of things coming up, and the things that were coming up seem to be happening faster than they could hide it or cover it up. I can't prove that, of course not. <laughs> but 
I think it's an awful quinky dink that when we really start exposing some of these major lies and the people behind them, all of a sudden there's this big crackdown. Uh, certain things happen to me, which I'm not going to mention. Um, nothing violent or too disturbing, of course. I'd, I'd be sure to tell you if the, if it was. <laughs> but um, it was enough for me to need to take a little while and just kind of think things out. What's going on here? Why is this happening? Why is it happening to me? And what can I do to guarantee that I'll still be around here broadcasting five years from now, seven years from now, ten years from now? I would hate to end up like certain other people that kind of had the rug pulled out from underneath them. I just want to hedge my bets a little bit. I'm not going anywhere, people. I'm not going anywhere. And one thing that I really thought a lot about during my little hiatus was how much this show means to me, how important it is to me. Sometimes you have to step away temporarily. I mean, what, it it was a month, a little bit more. Sometimes you got to step away to really realize how much something means to you. No, this show is not my life. It's not my entire life. It's not the focal point of my existence. I mean, I have other things going on, of course. But it's kind of the main thing. It's kind of the main thing. Keep the main thing the main thing. Uh, that's some advice I got long ago. Keep the main thing the main thing. And that's what I'm doing. I'm keeping the main thing the main thing. I still believe in spreading truth. I still believe in waking people up. It's just that the methods have to evolve. Because what they, in quotes, are doing is changing the way that they are silencing us, the way that they are attacking us, it's changing. So we need to change with them. Every move they make, we need to make a counter move. We need to do our best to outsmart them. They've got the money behind them, but we've got the numbers and we've got a little thing called truth on our side. Oh, and there's also God as well. Because you can damn sure better believe that God is not with the Illuminati. They probably think that he, she is. I I threw the she in there for the feminists out there. Yeah, I'm thinking about you too. He's not with them. I mean, that's obvious. That's very obvious. There is an undercurrent. There is a power out there. When you are in the darkest place, when things are so bad and you're surrounded by enemies when you're when you're surrounded by people that hate you and want to destroy you when you when you're surrounded by people that want to destroy you and rape you and tear you apart there's always the big guy and he's always with you at all times i don't care if you're in prison i don't care if you're in the middle of the war i don't care if you're in the back of an alley i don't care if you're drugged up on ghb getting ready to pass out there's always somebody with you. And that's something that's important to remember because no matter what they do, no matter what sort of manipulation they came up they come up with, no matter what sort of occult secrets they have, technologies, magic, money, they have all those things, right? Money money is the root of all evil. They have those advantages. But no matter what they do, no matter how advanced their technology is, no matter how mysterious and powerful these entities are, 
that we encounter and deal with and these elites seem to work with it, it all of that stuff no matter how stacked the deck seems to be against us we always know that there's something out there underpinning everything that could come alive at any time and seriously fuck up their world and they know that too I guarantee it. In fact, I came up with a little thing that I wrote. It's just a few lines. I guess it's sort of a poem. It goes like this. The Holy Spirit is my cocaine. Truth is my meth. Christ is my heroin. I am an addict who craves spiritual freedom and can't live another second without another hit. I will crawl across the floor searching for spiritual crack crumbs. I will chase the seven-headed dragon. Just a little poem I wrote. It's a little poem I wrote. I hope you guys like it. It's comparing spirituality to being a drug addict. It's like a positive spin on being a drug addict. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, Just don't plagiarize it and try to make money off of it because that's not cool. I did, I did get a lot of feedback before I took the break, and during the break, I'm going to read a little bit of that to you. I'm not going to say the names of who these messages are from, because I don't want to disrespect them, or out them, or dox them. Dox, that's the new word that the young people use nowadays. <coughs> so this is from R. In Liverpool, in the UK, I told you guys that we have tons of fans over in England. There are tons of end of days radio fans over in England. I don't know why this is. Uh, one of my main theories is because they speak English. I, I thought that might be have something to do with it. They can actually understand what I'm saying, or at least partially so. I won't pretend that I could always understand what they're saying. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I love British everything. Uh, I'm watching the new season of Doctor Who, by the way. The new one with the female Doctor Who. We could get into that. I I don't think you guys want to hear that level of nerdism, so I'm not going to jump down that rabbit hole. I'm not going to jump inside of that TARDIS. (laughs) Okay, so, uh, hi, Daniel. This is from R. Hi, Daniel. Just messaging you from Liverpool in the UK to let you know that your show is my friend and mine's favorite show, and we always listen to you and think you're as funny as fuck. Laugh aloud. Can you give us a mention and make our day? Thanks. Give us a mention. Well, I guess I can say their names. I'll just do the first names just in case. Ray and Lee. Shout out to Ray and Lee in the UK. You guys kick ass. Big high five to you guys. Thank you so much for listening. It means a lot to me. Every single one of you guys. like You are the wind beneath my wings. I say that so many times. Uh, let's see. <laughs> uh, this one is from Jay. Uh, looks like it's mostly about the show about Sam. And that was with our friend. Uh, that was with our friend, Nathan Sanders. So. I thank you so much. This is it right here. I thank you so much for your YouTube channel. So she must uh, listen to the show that way. You can get us on YouTube, of course. I have had so many synchronicities with Sam, and you have been a voice for him to communicate with me to see all the signs within my own life and the previous addresses I have lived at. 
I have seen the zebra, shark, Silver Springs, Ivy Lang, Ivy Lane. Uh, and many, many song messages have been major parts of my life. I don't know how much longer my marriage will last because I have ascended to 4D and my husband is still 3D. Where do you think Sam wants us or that angels to go? Where do you think Sam wants us or that angels to go when we have no money after a divorce if this is to be the next step in my life? Okay, and then she lists where she's at and details, personal details. Um, it was also told to me that Sam, it was also told to me by Sam that California is full of dark magic and to get out fast. Okay, so I'm going to do my best to answer the question here. Uh, be very careful anytime you are basing a life decision, decision like divorce after basing it on anything that you hear through synchronicity or through a song or anything like that. Uh, you got to be very sure and make sure that you don't, you know, somebody gave me a little piece of advice that really struck a chord with me. Uh, they said, Daniel, it doesn't matter where these thoughts you're having co are coming from. It doesn't matter if these thoughts are from d demonic beings, from aliens, from spirits, from your own consciousness. It doesn't matter. What matters is if, what you are thinking and the decisions you make, what matters is if they are true to yourself. So don't get too focused in on the messages that you're hearing. Focus more on the way that it feels inside of you. When you make a decision, when you make a decision, make sure that you are being true to yourself and you are doing what's right for you. The only thing that these messages and synchronicities can do is get you pointed in the right direction or tell you that you are making the right choices after you've already made them. They can't make the choices for you. If it's making the choices for you, uh, this is my opinion. I'm going to offend some people out there, but in my opinion, it's negative. It's alien. It's demonic. It's whatever, right? If, anything is trying to control you or your life, there's no way that it can be good. But if it's simply giving you a sign that you made the right decision, or maybe just giving you a nudge in one direction or another, then there's a very good chance it could come from the light or the good side. I know this is going to anger some people. <laughs> there's a lot of channelers and people like that, that um, are going to call me judgmental. And, you know, I've, I've gone on this topic time, time again, it's not being judgmental. It's about discernment and being careful and keeping the walls up and not letting anything in that's going to fuck up your world. In my opinion, it's the doubt and it's the disbelief that causes us to um, do certain occult experimentation that can allow these negative entities, these parasitic beings in. And I'm not against occult practices i'm not against practicing magic or sorcery or even uh, the, the summoning of spirits or channeling or anything like that it's just you gotta it's like weightlifting you gotta work your way up I, i'm personally not interested in doing those things i have my own magic and methods that i use but it's like weightlifting you gotta work your way up if you try to lift up 500 pounds when you're skinny as a beanpole what's gonna happen that weight's gonna fall on your head and crush you if you try to summon that angel or demon before you're ready, it's going to bite your head off. Yeah, even if it's an angel, you think you can summon an angel and it's going to be happy with you? It's going to want to know what the fuck you're summoning it for. And if you don't give it a good answer, then I can't guarantee what's going to happen. You might want to just avoid that entire thing <laughs> from what I've heard, but um, to each his own. Uh, in regards to California being full of dark magic 
entirely possible. Entirely possible. Uh, one particular city that I always think of is Los Angeles or the uh, City of Angels or what some people like to call it, the City of Fallen Angels. And within Los Angeles is Hollywood or the Holy Wood. Very, very dark. A lot of magical energies going on around that area. Um, a lot of occult things. I I'm even aware that there was a witch's war that happened in San Francisco back in the 60s or 70s. So that's a very occult area. There's a lot of secret societies. Um, Hollywood, of course, very rich, powerful people that are involved in secret societies and magical circles. And it, it just goes on and on. There's really an entire world to explore in California alone. That's how bad it is there. And, and bad is relative, of course. Um, to some people, that would be great. But there's definitely a huge amount of... Uh, satanic sort of energies around that area. Hollywood, of course, movies and acting and the music industry. It, it, a lot of it's very shallow, materialistic. Um, American Satan. Go watch American Satan. That's it in a nutshell. <laughs> Selling your soul for rich riches and fame. It's not that you directly sell your soul to Satan. Like, you don't meet up with him and he plays a violin and you sign a contract. It's a slow process of coercion, little decisions you make inside of yourself, which leads you down a certain dark path, which may or may not be influenced. It may or may not be influenced by entities that you can or cannot perceive. Cause that's, what's going on all the time. We have entities persuading us, nudging us in different directions, good ones, bad ones. Okay. Let's see. I think I have one more. One more letter. Let's see here. Uh, I apologize for the delay. I just want to make sure I get to all of these because I do love you guys so much. Uh, nope, that's junk mail. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well... Um, oh my God. Why do people send me all this junk mail? I don't understand that. Like, what am I supposed to do with all of it? Ah, okay. Here's one. This is from, this is what I was looking for. It's from D. Started listening on the paranormal radio app. Oh my God. You were streaming, but now only on the podcast, but except for the marijuana, you think like me in a lot of ways. My rap goes, I'm a lover, not a fighter. I'm blah, 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 years old. Your interview in August with the Luciferian Agenda and the YouTube Flat Earth 101, I am reforming my truth. King James is the Gideon Bible of choice. Thank you for doing what you do. I hope you have accepted Jesus' gift of salvation. I would like to call in and be part of your broadcast. But Saturday is the only time I know I can spend time with my honey. Look, D. Spend time with your honey. I am not trying to get in the way of you and your honey. I mean, if that's the only time that you guys have to be together. What the hell? Oh, my God. There's uh, somebody calling. Hello. Hello. Hey there, buddy. What's going on, Daniel? Not much. How are you doing? I am so good. Did I catch you during the news roundup? 
Oh, I was just uh, going over a I few did. listener emails. Uh, I got a lot of emails over the break. As you know, I've been off air for a very long time. I, yeah, I heard those. Those are pretty cool. Please keep the emails coming. What was those two guys that said they like it? They're uh, funny. Uh, that was, let me backtrack. The first guy's name is Ray, and the second yeah. guy's name was Lee. Ray and Lee. Oh, that's so cool. Ray Lee, right on. He is funny. Shout out to Ray I'm and Lee you. over in the UK. Shout out. Oh, yeah, I love that part. Smashing. That's so cool. Did I sound British? Smashing. Cheer- cheerio. Che- cheerio. Should we have some tea now, Todd? Todd the bod. Is it, is it 12 o'clock in England now? Yes, it's 10 o'clock. It's almost tea time. Let us sit down for a gentleman's chat over a cup of tea. Oh, yes. And then we could go outside and play some crockett. And after that, we'll Cricket. bow down and worship the queen. Oh, yes. We can worship her holy ankles, her wrinkly holy ankles. Pay homage to her beautiful form. Oh, yes. Before she transforms into a nine-foot-tall reptilian. No, no, don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible. And we met no dis. Of course not. We're only joking. Mm-hmm. It's a comedy show. It is it. at times. It is at times. Other Very times funny. it's political. Sometimes it's a, a, a sexual advice show. Uh, other times it's it's a show about um, interviews. And... Midgets. 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 Oh, well, hey, now Todd, you, you can't say that word midget. That's a bad word. You have to say little people. Or uh, what's that other term for them? Uh, uh, hobbits. There's another one. There's <laughs> no. There's a number of them, but no one that's accepted by society now. Um, wow, your guest brought up a number of interesting things. At time, he sounded just like me two years ago. Yeah, fan- fantastic, was- fantastic interview. Um, you know, where where do we even start with that one? That uh, the smiley face killer. My God, that is just the mystery well, there. I'd start with the born again Christian thing or whatever the Christian thing he was coming from. It kind of went off on a Christian thing. The smiley face killer, that, that's an incredible story. All I've heard is like podcasts, and I might have seen a YouTube video or two about the smiley face killer. And uh, I connected with David Polites. You remember David Polites? Uh, he wrote a book, didn't he? Missing Persons, uh, 411, the most um, like in-depth researcher on missing people that disappear. Thousands of people disappear every year in national forests. That was kind of his main study at the beginning. But then he realized this nationwide, millions of I don't know. A lot of people are disappearing every year. Yeah, and that's something that is just so strange, especially when you think about, you know, I was talking earlier with William, uh, the numbers. Some of these guys, they'll kill 
30, 60, 100, 200 people? I mean, that's a there's towns where there's only 200 people or less. <laughs> totally. You killed the whole but, town? Well, it, it reminded me of uh, where David Polites, he, he went to the national parks. They tried to get records from him. But they wouldn't turn them, you know, they didn't want to turn them over. About how many people disappear every year? And Todd, when you they disappeared? when you come on the line here, you're since we've been gone so long, you're supposed to go. Did you miss me? Did did I miss? Did you miss me? I'm supposed to say that. Yeah, you're supposed to say. Did you guys miss me? Did you miss me? I'm supposed to say that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Did you guys miss me? Say it again. Say it again. Did you miss me? Oh, there you go. There you go. One more time. I, really? I'm supposed to say that? One more time. Come on, be a sport. Did you miss me? Whoa, okay. Okay. You're not fucking around tonight. Well, I, you asked for it. <laughs> but hey, Todd... Todd. It is close to Halloween, so Todd is uh, kind of scary. Some of that shit he was putting out there. Have you been watching the news, buddy? Oh well, I'm not watching it, but I read it. So this whole the main thing that went on when we were away is this whole Kavanaugh thing. Kavanaugh, Judge Kavanaugh. Yeah. What do you think of that? Yeah. What do you think of that? I think it was like a month of just wasted energy and space and people that have dug into it come out with all these, um, went into all those rabbit holes into their histories of their, you know, their back histories, Daniel Kavanaugh and the, the lady accusing them, Blasey Ford, Christine Blasey Ford. I, I have a very specific question about this I wanted to ask you, Todd. As you know... Oh, uh, please, yeah. yeah so, so Judge Kavanaugh, um, he was accused of some very bad things, some, some uh, inappropriate yeah. behavior, uh, participating in, in certain things. Uh, I wanted to ask you, in your opinion, in this country or in the world in general, do we have a rape culture? Um, what we have here is probably the most subtle mechanized system of control that they can put over society to try to shape it in the direction where they can control it, the people that run the world. So I don't know if that answers your question, but there's definitely a, a system in control here. But more specifically, that that definitely probably has a lot to do with it, but is there a culture of certain types of rape are okay? It gets kind of ignored and accepted by society. Um, well, what, what there is is there's culture, which is you, you treat a person right that's gone back thousands of years, you know, between males and females. 
that's ancient. And if you don't treat them right, then you're on the wrong side. If you do, then you're on the right side. I mean, treat the person how you'd want to be treated. Now, Todd, I know that you used to party a little bit when you were younger. Did you see any of this stuff go on? Did you see women being drugged or taken advantage of at parties or the workplace? Have you ever seen it? No, no. Um, not not my circles. And I wouldn't do it. No, no RGHB. No, that didn't even exist back then. People might have done a bunch of stupid shit, you know. I mean, that's always possible. Goes on till this day. But uh, but no, I didn't see any of that. Um, what's changed is it's a hypersensitivity towards any kind of advancement towards the females. That's what's going on. In some countries, you can't even do a cat call if a girl's walking down the street and they're on a construction site. And I'm only referencing that because it's illegal in some countries to whistle at a girl that's cute if you're on a construction site. Yeah, that sort of behavior is really frowned on nowadays where if you were to do that, say, back in the 1950s, it would be perfectly acceptable and normal. Yeah, it would be like 30 guys just go, whoa, as the girl walked by. Whoa, That's baby. No whoa, Back mama. Hey, foxy lady. Oh. oh, stuff like that. Back a thousand years ago, the cavemen drugged their women home to the cave, yeah, supposedly. They drugged them? <laughs> drugged them. Well, Bill Cosby, yeah. there you go. <laughs> he is a little bit of a caveman. <laughs> That's crazy. It's right close to Halloween. You got anything really spooky to talk about? Yeah, I mean, what's spookier than rape culture? Ugh. You don't like Pretty this topic, spooky. do you, Todd? It's too icky for you, isn't it? Well, I, I would. I'm not down with it. Well, let me tell you something. I, I would knock anybody out that was yo yo rape. Yeah, you that's, know, let me let me share something with that's you, Todd. Violating someone else's uh, total space and being an ultimate crime. Well, let me uh, tell you about something. I remember when I was in high school, some of the boys they would come back to school with these stories, like, "Oh, we were at a party last Friday night, and we got Susie so drunk. She got so drunk that." Uh, we formed a train outside of the bathroom door, and we, and we all took turns. And oh man, that's Susie. She's a slut. You know she wanted it. She's a slut. Um, what a what a dirty, disgusting girl. Uh, oh yeah, we all did her. We banged her good. That's something that I ran into when I was in high school. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, I, I didn't <laughs> I didn't run anybody telling stories like that, but. So a situation wow. a situation's being created where there's a lot of alcohol being passed around. There's a girl that's getting so plowed with alcohol that she's probably blacking out. She probably doesn't know what's going on. She's being sequestered oh, sequestered in the bathroom, and these guys are basically going in there raping her, and then afterwards they're victim shaming. They're calling her names and telling telling everybody that she's the bad one. 
Well, Daniel, the, the, the stories are like a, a thousand deep that that happened. Yeah. And it's on TV. I mean, you know, those stories. And, you know, I'm so, not... Yeah. I'm not yeah. a I'm not a liberal liberal I'm not a progressive oh, I'm not a feminist or anything point, like that. Your, your point is is that they created a culture. Someone's created a culture. Yeah, well, it's not. Or there was a culture. Yeah, it's more me confirming something that I always hear these liberal people talking about, which is rape culture, and at, at least in this specific regarding this specific topic, I think hell yeah, it exists because I've seen it, I've seen it, and I've had it right oh. in front of me. Well, it's not being regulated. Look at your FBI. They're looking into Russian probing on uh, Trump. Russian Russian probing. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, I could go on about <laughs> Trump all night, but... <laughs> no, but I'm saying that your, your, your law enforcement highest level is looking into that. And, and, and yeah, what you're I, talking about Daniel's a lot deeper. But well, yeah, but I think that th- this ties together because if you keep going up towards the top, um, that's kind of how it is. I mean, uh, the guys immersed in the rape culture that are higher level would be like Weinstein, who's using his position of power to extract sexual favors from women in exchange for furthering their careers. What you're talking about there is the uh, is the, the the way that the intelligence agencies would use their assets. Yeah, that's something that is uh, very true as well. There's, um, there's... Um, you can go into all the variations or whatever, but if it's people that are going to play some role, you know, being controlled like that, yeah, you're talking about that. Yeah, because if you arrange... Remember the NKVDV with the girls getting branded by the cult leader? Yeah, exactly. Another great example. Smallville. Another great example, because what you had in that situation was all these rich elitist people using their money to, uh, you know, have power over these... Uh, these cult members that were being lured into this cult through various psychological tactics and basically having their own human slaves, which is just, it, it's something that you would think and, would go on in hell. Like that's what. And would... here's, and here's the connection that keeps going. They, they, you know, once they got them in, you got to go get five more people to come back to the cult in that one. Remember? Yeah, yeah. That, they had to, they that, had to rec- recruit. It was a pyramid scheme. We're going to get you rich, and they slowly feed these girls in well, from that, rich families. That's something that we mentioned earlier, where uh, if one person gets caught that's part of one of these cults or circles, they push all the blame onto one person, and one person gets busted. But in reality, there's yeah. all kinds of big shot people involved. Oh, it's got to be like one guy, you know, takes the fall. It's probably the guy at the top that's being worshipped and given grapes and being fed grapes. <laughs> when it all goes down, like Jim Jones. Yeah, exactly. When it all goes down, you know, he he's dead. And that's he what a lot of, of that's what a lot of these cult sort of things are. They're just 
pyramid schemes. So one guy can kind of lord over this group and get all these sexual favors from his followers and money. But not- notice the similarities, though, where it's always the same kind of tactics, mind control techniques being involved there. And, uh, and uh, th- there's, you know, there, there's that, that exists. I mean, that's on record that they've done that. And that's been done. Not, not, our, not our government um, necessarily, but many other just outside people have done it, supposedly. Right? Yeah, but um, so let's put that aside for a second. There's something else I want to talk about. And this is kind of a Halloween-related thing. He just came out with a new song. I want to talk about Marilyn Manson. <laughs> right on. Yeah, Marilyn Manson. Ugly bugger. Spooky looking. <laughs> yeah, there I was... I went to the Halloween store, and I swear to God, there's this giant clown they had there that's like nine feet tall. It's really cool. And the face is Marilyn Manson. Just like, whoa! How spooky. Well, check this out. When I was in high school, I knew girls that thought Marilyn Manson... What you probably think I went to some like crazy fucked up high school, but I I knew girls totally. that thought Marilyn Manson. No, that's just how it is nowadays. But I knew girls that uh, I knew girls that thought Marilyn Manson was like the cutest guy ever. Like that's the symbol for that. That's what a man. Uh-huh. That's a beautiful man. That's what a handsome man looks like is Marilyn Manson. It's really strange. My sister thought Rob Halford was attractive. Who the hell's that? She was. Judas Priest lead singer. Oh, he's gay, isn't he? I know, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, tell <laughs> He's chatting <laughs> one of those. But you know what's funny uh, about that? Not to go off topic, but that was an example of the fan base pretty much knew that he was gay, but they didn't really care. They just liked the music, and they just kind of let him do his thing. Totally. And that was way back in the day. That was long before that sort of thing was even remotely accepted. Oh, there was there was a bunch of them. Yeah, a bunch that's of true. The biggest bands and singers, they were gay, and they just hit it, and it was just all kind of schmoozed over. Yeah, and, that was uh, the second British and Daniel. That was the second British invasion. The first one was in the late sixties. The second one was with the punk building up to the metal. Yeah, that is true. Changing the consciousness. So by the time you you rolled around in the 90s and got into whatever music was popular, the corporations had already figured out their next mind control thing to push you closer to the one world government. Well, okay. So earlier with uh, William... We were talking about how these cults and secret societies and satanic cults and stuff, they're pretty much all mind control. Well, uh, Marilyn Manson, he was actually given a special title by the satanic church. And the the satanic church, uh, Marilyn Manson is an admitted satanist. And the satanic church, uh, one of the things that they say is they actively go out and spread a certain type of propaganda they try their best to turn people onto Satanism and onto Satanic values. 
And Marilyn Manson actually uses a lot of specific imagery and symbolism and uh, certain tactics, uh, a lot of tribal sort of stuff. I, I'm, I'm sure you would agree with this because you bring this up all the time, the tribal connection to mind control. It seems like you have a lot of that going on with Marilyn Manson and his fan base. Well, I always bring up anthropology. Um, what I learned about, you know, like studying anthropology is that primitive civil, how they lived. And um, I just compare them to how we live, to you know. But but it, with uh, Marilyn Manson, um, huh? <laughs> well, he was he was a shock rocker. Do you, do you think that's show or do you think that's real? Because he wants to sell albums and pretend that he's as big and weird and, and evil as he can. So sell more albums to people that are into that, right? Yeah. I, I, I think it's degree? probably, yeah, I think it's probably both. I, I'm sure that he wants to make money off his fan base and be successful like we all do. But at the same time, I really do feel that, um, I suppose you could say that he's kind of standing up for the kids that get bullied, the freaks, the outcasts, and kind of standing yeah. up to the um, the uh, the uh, Bible Belt sort of mentality. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you something. I, I um, had a realization. I've listened to shows. You know, I listen to podcasts all the time, Daniel. And since we're getting close to Halloween, they were doing the Salem witchcraft, uh, Salem witch trials, uh-huh. witch trials. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and and that story's come up a lot. Um. The horror of the Salem witch trials was there was no due process, and um, they were just killing people because you were accused of putting a spell on somebody. Um, I don't know, Todd. Do we really know that for sure? I mean, that's what they say nowadays to explain the whole thing, but can we be sure that those weren't like real witches they were killing that were like actually doing what they were being accused of? Some of them might have been, yeah, because let me tell you what was going on in the, in the, in the, 16th, 1700s, the first people that came to the United States brought old, um, like, folk folk religion with them, mixed with Christianity. And King James was just pushing the King James Bible over in England. And so there were things that people brought from older things in England, older traditions, that the church didn't approve of. And they were folk traditions and magic that that was counter. The first people that came to the United States, the first so-called Christians, were pretty crazy. And they started the Salem Witch Trials based upon old crazy Christian groups that hadn't quite fallen into the Protestant tradition. Yeah, it's a little bit. It's kind of weird because I'm just saying that when you look into actual. Pockets. Go ahead, Todd. I'm sorry. History has pockets where people go crazy with the religion interpretations, religious interpretations, especially when the states working with the with the local religion. <laughs> That's all. 
Sorry, Daniel. <laughs> no worries. Um, we were talking about witches. Witches were gathering in uh, in New York. Well, my my whole thing yeah, is so. my whole thing is that there could be another side to this. Maybe there were witches, and maybe these witches were really doing a lot of bad things. And it's just now in modern times we look back and we're like, there's no such thing as magic. There's no such thing as sorcery or witches. Surely they must have been killing these innocent people and these innocent women. But if we were actually to go back in time, for all we know, these witches were riding around on brooms, laughing hysterically, (laughs) eating children, cooking them in big cauldrons, doing all kinds of nasty things. Very, very possible. Yeah. <laughs> I put a curse on you. I put a spell oh, on please you. Don't. And now you're I put mine. A spell on you. I put a because spell on you. You're mine. Now you're mine. That's that. That's that classic jazz uh, song from the no, very no, I put a spell on you. Of course, I'm just kidding. People out there that don't understand that this is a comedy show. Um, so because you're mine. And there's also there's a song that goes uh Black Magic Woman. Oh, oh, oh Black Magic Woman. <laughs> I remember that one. What are some other Black uh, Magic What are some other Oh, oh uh, there's Santana. Santana did uh because uh, you're a black magic woman. <laughs> oh, okay. <Is> that <laughs> yeah, yeah. Black magic woman, Santana. And then there was, uh, what was, uh, um, Roxanne, you don't have to put on that <laughs> red light. Roxanne, you don't, you don't have, have to sell to walk yourself the to the district. night. <laughs> oh, God. Rocks and uh, and th- those guys are English, though, Daniel. Oh, you don't have song. to put on the red light. You don't have to. Oh my God! What a great song! Put on the red light. Well, what that used to mean was that prostitutes they'd put a red light inside of the room, and what that symbolized what was that they were a hooker or a prostitute. No, they were available. Oh yeah, they, they were put available. the regular light on when they're not available, and the red light on when they are. You you walk right in, and they got them legs spread. <laughs> that was back in the eighties, and hope things have progressed since, and I doubt they have. But anyways, so okay, Marilyn Manson. So he used Marilyn to he used oh, to yeah. perform oral sex on his. His male bandmate during concerts. He did it at least once. No way. Uh, all right. I'm not saying he didn't. I'm just saying, wow. <laughs> you know, I've, Osborne I've looked into head this. Off and, a bat in Texas yeah. in one of his concerts got rabies shots because of it. <laughs> yeah, I looked Somebody in- threw a bat on stage. He's like, yo, during one of his yeah, that's that's true. I've looked into that too, but I looked into that Marilyn Manson thing, and um, people s- seem to be pretty split on whether or not he actually did it. But it, it seems that the the stronger opinion is that that stuff actually happened, and he he was uh, really into the shock sort of stuff, especially early in his career. So there's people pushing it. 
if you, you know, like bands pushing it, I think that's the whole gimmick. I think that's their whole gimmick. If they don't put out a shock record, they're not going to get the contract. If you watch some of his music videos, very heavy in symbiology. Very heavy. Intense. And um, it looks like a magical battle between the Christian belief system and his belief system. Between uh, Donnie Osmond and Marilyn Manson. Well, if you watch one of those videos, he's got Johnny Depp starring in it. Oh, yeah, you're right. That, oh, you know what? I found major, out that... Uh, that's a major yeah. production. Yeah. Um, he, that's not a video. He actually worked on that movie. I think it's called The Ninth Gate with Johnny Depp. Like, they're, they're friends, and they were both involved in that. This one of the craziest, coolest movies ever made, in my opinion. Oh, you like that one? Um, Ninth Gate's one of my favorites. Um the movie's based on um, one of the best actors of all time, Frank Langella. He's a rich old guy, and he he hires Johnny Depp to find this book. And there's only three of them known to exist in the whole world, and it was written in the 1650s. It was so cool. He's like, so I need this book. That's why I'm hiring you. Go get it. Here's whatever amount of money you need to find that book. I'll give you all my money. Just give me that damn book. Yeah, I'll pay whatever it's worth. But he shows him his library, Daniel, and it's like a bunch of old books air-conditioned in their own sealed chambers because they're so important to them. But you know, really what, cool. you know what, Todd, not to, not, not to uh, pull you off on a tangent, but um, I really believe yeah. that some of those books do have some kind of powers. Like I've read certain esoteric, magic, occult sort of books, and I felt changed oh, yeah. afterwards. Like I felt like my consciousness was drastically changed, like my whole reality was different. No, there's books that hold extreme power for especially people that uh, are into – that thing and searching for them. Yeah, if I wasn't so lazy, I probably. I, I mean, I have a bunch of them on my computer in PDF format. I got a bunch of them on my shelf. If I wasn't so lazy, I'd probably have all sorts of powers by now. Well, it's more of a. I don't know what it's more of a. Is it aliens? Is it alien technology that's old? That's putting out beams of information that's connecting people connecting to back then it's getting really strange now and spooky yeah you know I, I think you're right about that part is what's that daniel what's they're that? admitting that they're that they this place is all corrupt and we're here <laughs> and you're trapped at the bottom of it yeah, that's... it's all corrupt and we're here. <laughs> yeah, that that's what I say a lot. I mean, people they they ask me like, "Oh, Dan," or, or they'll say to me, "Daniel, you're a conspiracy theorist and stuff like that." I'll just be like, 
you know what? There was a time when I was a theorist and a time when I was wondering if this stuff was real, but I, I'm seven years past that. or I, I, I'm at the point now where I just tell people, look, they don't even try to hide it anymore. It's right in front of your face. Just because yeah. you don't want to see it doesn't mean that it's not really there. They don't try to hide it. It's on Wikipedia. It's All you have to do is look at it. They, it's just people don't even look at it. They don't even turn their heads. They don't even make eye contact with it. They can't even see it. It's right in front of their faces. Yeah, yeah, they just shrug. Uh, who cares? Who, who cares if Look the Illuminati away. owns my soul? Who cares? <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. They just care about I beer and humping and Sunday football. Well, that's part of what humans do. But Go Seahawks. Another part of what humans do is try to survive. So, um, if they can reroute their survival mechanism. Well, no, okay, no, well, I agree with that and I disagree with that. I agree with that and I disagree with that. last week. There was a story last week. Todd, 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 I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead, I forgot what I was going to say. No, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I'm serious, I'm high, I forgot what I was going to say, like, that was one second too long, I lost it. Go ahead. No, I forgot. Last Go night on Clyde's show, I, I listen to Clyde's show the next day every day. There was a story in India of, of where like 100, 100 people got plowed into by a train because they were watching a giant effigy of a demon being burnt. What? In, Indi- in, in India. This was on his show last night. It probably happened on the full moon, which is two nights ago. I don't remember. The moon's very full right now. It's a very strange period. But um, anyways, Clyde said that the train just plowed through all these people because they were busy staring at a burning effigy. And they didn't realize they were standing on the train track, I guess. They were so mesmerized by the burning effigy of a demon. Well, there's something to be said about that stuff because the Nazis, back when they were having, not that they even called themselves Nazis, Nazis was a propaganda word that uh, came about later on. Uh, The Third Reich, they had these giant effigies that they'd burn, like they'd have a giant swastika made out of torches, and they'd have other types of symbols that they'd light on fire in front of uh, millions of people, all the people in the entire country, how many lived in there at the time, and and that was to burn those symbols into the mind. You can look at those videos and see that they were practicing and perfecting mind control. Oh, yes. The, o- the only place you see that here now, Daniel, is at the football games, the biggest ones. <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm... They're missing the burning... Are you into football at all, Todd? Are you into football? No. No. You hate it? I I used to watch it. Oh, okay. I'm a sports guy. I know all the rules and used to love it. Until I realized the country's going into the toilet. And I kind of said, until things get straightened around them and try to pay attention to things that, that uh, make more sense and are more important. Wait, do you guys have a team? No, 
we're, we're that state that got left out of everything. Like every state around us has a team except for us. We're that kid that got left out of the basketball game, you know, the last pick. Utah, nobody wants them. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait a second. Don't you have a basketball team? We have, we have a basketball team, Utah Jazz. Yeah. That's number one. That's number one. Oh, oh, everybody loves basketball down there, right? Well, I'm just saying, Jazz is the number one team in the world. Yeah, I mean... Uh, the Utah Jazz uh, is the baddest. Carl Malone, when Carl Malone and... Oh, Carl, Carl Malone, Stockton, the mailman. The mailman. The mailman. They stole that. Chicago, you know, Michael Jordan. That was all stolen. That's back when I used to watch sports, Daniel, and care about that. The gladiator events. <laughs> the gladiator events. Modern, Are you not entertained? Yeah, it's Hulk Hogan against 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 the Roddy, Ultimate Roddy Warrior. Piper. <laughs> Roddy, Rowdy, Roddy Piper. <laughs> Chew bubble gum and kick ass. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I stopped watching that. Do you watch any sort? Do you watch? Do you watch pro wrestling? Do you watch uh, UFC? I went to a party back in the eighties. I went to a party where I'm like, "Fucking all star wrestling isn't real. This is shit isn't real." You know, and the Hulk Hogan was <laughs> big, and uh, there was two wrestlers in there that were about six and a half feet tall. And they were going on, and I'm like, they're not real. And fuck, next thing you know, Danny, they were going to pile drive me. <laughs> to fucking wrestling. That really do hurt each other. <laughs> Where Hulk Hogan is. <laughs> Wait, what were these guys doing exactly? Were they they uh, pile drove you? Uh, what's that? They did it to you? No, they were gonna. <laughs> well, that's how it was back <laughs> because then. Because I, I told them it wasn't real. Yeah, it's not real. Those guys are just, you know, they're tapping out. They've already practiced this, like a dance routine. Well, the rule was Michael back Jackson, then. Get Todd, <laughs> the rule was back then that uh, you had to protect the business. So if you, if anybody was saying challenging and saying wrestling wasn't real you'd have to like put them in a hold or beat them up or something so that you could protect the business choke and nobody would know it's fake. Yeah, exactly. Choke them out. <laughs> like uh, Hulk Hogan and did it. He... Hulk Hogan did it to that one guy on his TV show <clears throat> and then he sued him. I can't remember what his name is, but he like put him in a chokehold and then the guy's head flipped backwards. And <laughs> Let's see. He didn't talk anymore. Yeah, yeah. Let me find uh... the guy's name. Sued Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> oh man there's so many lawsuits with hulk hogan and how am i ever gonna find this well and then his daughter didn't his daughter get involved in... yeah I... uh richard belzer richard belzer no way yeah richard belzer the comedian from new york yeah, yeah he used to have a show and he was making fun of hulk hogan and, and hulk hogan choked him out. he choked him out for real and then his head oh flops. God, that is crazy. <laughs> Check this out, though. After he choked him out, the guy's head flops backwards, and it like slams oh. against the floor behind him, and his head starts bleeding <laughs> on live TV. 
<laughs> I love Richard Belzer. How dare Hulk Hogan do that? Fuck well, that guy. Well, he sued him and he got a lot of money, so he won out in the end. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, I think I he... love Richard Belzer. <laughs> Richard Belzer's funnier now. Um, <laughs> he played. He played in Law and Order. Remember, he was on Law and Order. I never saw that show. I've heard it's, him on Stern. Uh, it was TV show that ran for 30 years, Daniel, on TV. And oh, I yeah, I, I remember Law and Order, yeah. That was very Law very and Order. Show, he was yeah. one of the detectives, yeah. They hired Ice-T, too, the rapper. Remember the rapper? Ice-T? Oh, yeah, Ice-T, yeah, very famous. They hired him to be on Law and Order. Well, hey, Todd, I just realized I've, like, this is totally random, but I just realized I've been on the phone with you for, like, 40 minutes, and I didn't intend to do that, so you you always get me, buddy. Yeah, I didn't you, mean uh, to keep you. Yeah. yeah, I didn't mean to keep you. I just glad to hear your voice again. Well, no, it's just because I have so much. You know we're out here listening. Yeah. I have so much fun talking to you, so I lose track of time. Yeah, it's too cool, my man. Um, sounds good. All right, we'll buddy. See you on the next show. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna run run my gums a little bit more, and I'm gonna close out the show. Too. I gotta fe- keep listening though. Tear this thing up, guide us all. Keep listening. Be with you. Good night. And that's Todd. Todd the Bod. Always good to talk to him. He calls in like every show, and I don't know. People love him. I always get positive feedback about Todd. So we just let him call in, or I just let him call in. Why do I say we? Do I have an alien symbiote attached to me? <laughs> Am I Venom? So, let's see here. I want to get an exact date before I start running my mouth about this. Let's see. Ugh. You know what? I am not sticking to the agenda at all. I am not sticking to the agenda. I didn't do the mind-blowing moment of the day. I had a bunch of news stories I was supposed to talk about, a bunch of topics, and I'm just totally going off on different stuff. But uh, I did want to talk about the 5G network. We've talked about that quite a bit on the show. Oh, God, I need a glass of water. Ugh. The thing is, when you're in radio or podcasting, you got to take sips of water every so often. Otherwise, you start talking like this. Stuckering, stuckatash. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that was disgusting. I could hear, I could psychically hear just a collective ew out there. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, this is my new voice for the second or the third hour of the show. The longer the show goes, the deeper my voice gets. Boy, the very end of the show is going to be like this. I'm John B. Wells. We're here aboard the mothership this evening. I'm John B. Wells. John B. That was a terrible impersonation. I do apologize. I love you, John. I love you, John B. I love you. I'm not making fun of you. I wouldn't do that. Um... You know, I wasn't going to say this. I'm supposed to talk about 5G, but one thing that I really realized is I have not been fulfilling my promise to you guys. 
I've been second guessing myself. I've been editing my words. I've been trying to go back and patch things up and apologizing for things that I've been saying. That's another reason I went on the break because I realized I was not being extreme enough. I was being extreme, popular word in the 90s. I was being extreme, but I was not being extreme enough. I was not being the real me. I was still on a deep level. I was afraid of what people think. I was afraid of pissing off the feminists. I was afraid of pissing off the liberals. I was afraid of pissing off the Trumpers. Just all these different groups. It's fuck that. Fuck that shit. Fuck that. Fuck that. Suckering suckadash. Fuck that. I'm not going to kowtow to anybody anymore. I'm done. Forget it. I'm throwing in the towel as far as that goes. I'm giving up on giving up. I'm not going to let anybody tell me how I can talk on this show. I don't care about all that stuff that went down. I don't care about it. I don't care. I will just keep doing this show any way I can. I don't care if I build this whole huge audience or whatever. I'm just going to keep doing it. And I'm not going to give a shit about offending anybody. If I already wasn't giving a shit, it's time to kick it up to like 100. If I was at 10, we're going to kick it up to 100. Because I am tired of it. I'm tired of... I'm tired of anybody having any influence on the words that are coming out of my mouth. Let's put it that way. I made a promise to you guys that I would be real, that I would be unfiltered. I promised you that I would not hold back. That this show would be completely off the rails. And I... I did my best, but I realized things need to improve. We need to kick it up. There's no reason to care what anybody thinks. And you know what? Fuck Donald Trump. You know, I was the biggest Trump supporter in the world at some point. And so long, I have been afraid to go back on that or to criticize the man or criticize the administration because I know that a lot of my fans are huge Trump supporters, huge Trump supporters. Some of my very close personal friends are huge Trump supporters. And the idea that I was so into that into it, and I maybe some of them I even got them into it, and that I would turn around and criticize Donald Trump, or I would say things negative about him, that really pisses a lot of people off. Pisses a lot of people off. Uh, they'll tell me, you know, that's not cool, that's not cool. But... I got to be real. I'm sorry. I do not believe in that anymore. I I was very close to joining the Republican Party and becoming this huge Republican. I mean, you heard me talk about it on this show. But the more and more that I got into it, the more and more I just realized it was all one big manipulation. I've I've gone over this stuff. Before the break, I was going over this stuff deeply. It's manipulation. It's left versus right, red versus blue politics. And it's manipulation. It doesn't mean anything. It lost its meaning to to me. Being a conservative. It it lost its meaning. They're just two opposing forces used to manipulate us all. And like I said, after the Trump administration, after we have another four years of Trump, they're going to... Right now, they're in the process of manipulating all the young people. And then you're going to have this huge uprising leading into the 
election after this next one, which we know for sure Trump will win because every president does eight years. That's when the socialist revolution is going to happen. And the only reason the right is rising and pushing so hard is to create this whole other opposing spectrum, this oncoming tide. Once the kids that are 16 or 20 and become voters or 20 something in the future, we're going to see this huge push towards socialism. It's already, the seeds are already being planted. There's this woman, um, Let's see. Her name's like Cortez Octavia. What the hell is that woman's name? I'm Googling. Oh, there she is. <clears throat> I think I've talked about her before, but Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. This woman is probably going to be like the first female president. And if not her, somebody else. But there's this huge push towards socialism for these young people. And the only reason the right is in control now and the conservatives are in control now is so they can pull this huge troll job and do their gaslighting and cause the left to become incited so that when the next presidential term comes around, we uh, the... People like George Soros and the people behind him, they're going to have what they want, which is more of a socialist sort of open border political climate in this country. It's obvious. I mean, just look at what's gone on. The Democrats and uh, they call themselves the progressivists. And uh, you have this whole idea that nobody would even use the word socialism 15 years ago. But now there's a lot of Democrats that openly call themselves socialists. I mean, it's obvious. You'd have to be a, a fool to not see what's going on. But um, this this thing about Trump being against the Illuminati or against the elite, it's just not true. He is them. I mean, he's not them exactly, but he they pull his strings. Make no mistake about it. Make no mistake about it. I mean, look at this, for example. Uh this isn't evidence of that. There's something else I could go into, which would be very clear cut evidence of that. But, um, I've done that already. And, uh, this is something else, but this is from thinkprogress.org. I'm getting into the news a little bit here. It says Trump picks former Monsanto executive to lead us fish and wildlife service. So, Basically, what happens is the Trump administration assigns this woman, you know, I do I have to use her name, Aurelia Skipwith? I guess she used to work for Monsanto. Uh, and you guys know what Monsanto is, right? It's this evil corporation that goes around fucking with the genetics of seeds out there and putting patents on seeds and just totally screwing up the environment. I mean... There's whole groups that are against Monsanto. It's very well known. Very well known. I mean, it's obvious that this company is very evil. And one of the reasons I got off the Obama train, yes, I voted for Obama. The reason I got off his train was because he was supporting Monsanto. He was signing legislation to protect Monsanto. (laughs) And so that's why um, this is particularly disturbing to me. But the Trump administration or Donald Trump himself. It said, President Donald Trump announced late Monday that he intends to nominate a former 
Argo chemical industry official to lead the Department of the Interior's Fish and Wildlife Services. So he's putting somebody that worked at this evil corporation basically in charge of our forests and wildlife. That's not a good idea. That's, And then it says the Trump administration actually has a trend of filling top environmental regular, regulatory positions, which that position is that she would be having, with officials from companies regulated by the agency. So it says that the Trump administration has a trend of filling top environmental regulatory positions with officials from companies regulated by the agency. Do you guys realize how bad that is? Like, this is what? How can I say that this is good in any way? I mean, this is obvious corruption, and it's evidence, and it's right in front of um, your faces. I mean, you could argue, is that trend exaggerated? Are there excuses? I mean, I don't know. It's pretty clear cut. But, I mean, it's the truth. What do you want from me? I mean, you want me to lie to you? You want me to pretend? You want me to tell you what you want to hear? That Trump's a hero? I'm not going to do it because that wouldn't be me being real. Fuck the Democrats. Fuck the Republicans. The Republicans. Fuck them both. I am voting for Adam Kakesh. Adam Kakesh, I fully support 100%. My man, Adam Kakesh. Please vote for Adam Kakesh. Adam Kakesh. Famous for being accused of looking like Jonathan Brandis. Being the adult MK altered version of him. We found out that, of course, is not true. But I'm off that Republican shit. I mean, oh man. You know another thing? I mean, this isn't why I stopped. I stopped because... I realized it was manipulation. I'm just being real with you. I, I stopped because it's, I realized it's manip- manipulation. But also, I looked at what was on the far right, the far, far right, and I saw some legitimate racism there. And I know that's the far, far right, and that doesn't represent conservatives or Republicans in general, but I certainly don't vibe with any of that stuff, just like I don't vibe with the crackpots on the left and honestly the left is kind of worse right now i mean let's be real about that (laughs) uh you know some of these some of these people that are wearing vagina hats that's just obnoxious don't wear a vagina hat but i'm done with both i'm done with the red i'm done with the blue i don't care if you voted all red i don't care if you voted all blue i've been seeing that on twitter oh i voted all blue i voted all red Pat self on back. Hyphen, pat self on back. <laughs> uh, what do you want? Do you want a cookie? Here, have a cookie. You voted all red. Here, have a cookie. Oh, you voted all blue. Here, have a cookie. You're special. Boop. You're special. Have a cookie. I'm off of that stuff. It's manipulation. And you should be too. That's what I believe. Yeah, just drop some truth. Anyways, I've also been having a lot of good debates with some folk out there. Some good debates and some bad debates. Good debates and some bad debates. I've been debating a lot of people about the flat earth. 
yeah, he said it, flat earth. Does he really believe it? Does he? Is it a giant troll job? Is it real? Is it fake? <laughs> so many questions, not enough answers. If you really want to drive yourself nuts, I'm telling you, get really deeply into flat earth. It'll just destroy your world. <laughs> Once you realize how little evidence there is for a globe earth, unless you believe all those CGI pictures and videos, of course, but <laughs> um, people get so mad. It's just such a point of contention. Like if you go on social media and just talk about flat earth and just go out there and say, Hey, earth is flat. Here's why. Here's why. What really frustrates them is when you can match them blow by blow. Not a whole lot of people can debate flat earth. And I'm not claiming that I really can, but I've been kind of holding my own. I've been kind of holding my own lately. Like, I feel like that really can make people mad when they can't win a debate about the earth being round or flat. I mean, and winning, of course, is subjective. Like, what's winning exactly? Whoever looks stupider or whoever looks less stupid or whoever walks away first or, you know, how do you define that? But... Uh, I think it frustrates people when those arguments kind of hold their weight. I think that kind of bothers people because it just, it, it messes with them. It shouldn't be so hard, right? It shouldn't be so hard to prove to somebody that the earth is round. It shouldn't be so hard to, and why are there more and more flat earthers coming up all the time? Is it, uh, is it that people really are just dumb and they, want to believe in bronze bronze age science as someone put they want to believe in bronze age science or is it that there's some arguments here and some things that once you see them it's like hmm what's going on here maybe you should look into that if you're not privy to the flat earth yet some people get so mad though like i swear i just i don't even want to like debate people about it anymore because People get too nasty. They get too angry and aggressive. And it's like, come on. It's not a big deal. It's just a flat plane. <laughs> and then when you don't like get all worked up like that and you're just like, no, I'm sorry. This is what I believe. It's I've seen the balloons go up. I've seen the footage. It just looks flat. 200,000 feet in the air, just flat in every direction. I suppose if I went up there, and I saw a big round thing, then I would be convinced, but I'm just going to keep an open mind. I'm sorry. And by open mind, I'm not saying that I necessarily believe the earth is flat, but I have reason to believe that NASA, for one, lies to us all the time. Nothing they say is true. It might not be flat. It might not be round. It might be entirely different, but whatever it is, they're lying to us about it. That I'm sure of. And so should you. Oh, yeah. I was going to talk about 5G. So let's see here. So 5G. Where did my article go? 5G network is launching in the next few weeks. This is AT&T. The big cell phone provider, AT&T, smartphone provider. Yeah, so looks like within the next few weeks, 
the beast rises. The great technological beast, the grid, the matrix, the rise of the matrix. In just a few weeks, aren't you excited? The rise of the matrix. If it's not already here. So 5G is going to be 100 times faster than the old internet. The consumer in me is like, oh, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> uh, I'm wondering about the gaming possibilities. And then the truther in me is like, oh, shit. Here it is. Mark of the Beast imprint on the guns, gums of, of an infant. Mark of the Beast imprint on the gums of an infant. That's a Jedi, Jedi mind tricks quote right there from one of their albums. Mark of the Beast imprint on the gums of an infant. AT&T says its 5G network is launching in the next few weeks. AT&T promised at the beginning of the year that it would be launching a real standards-based 5G network at the end of 2018, and during its latest earnings call, CEO John Donovan confirmed those plans, promising that the network would be launching in the next few weeks. This would be an authentic next-generation 5G network, unlike the 5G Evolution network that rolled out last year, which essentially amounted to the same 4G LTE improvements that its competitors were doing under some creative branding. Well, that's stupid. If we're going to get it, let's at least get the real thing. Again, given that AT&T had already promised the launch of its 5G network sometime before the end of the year, and the fact that the end of the year is a few weeks away, I know, right? Donovan's commitment to launching isn't huge news, especially given that AT&T has already been testing its network since February. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, you get the point. <clears throat> Sorry for all the coughing and spittiness. I think I've it's been so long since I've been on air that I think my gums are weak. <laughs> like my I lost some of my radio cardio. I'm going to have to start working out again. But it's here. It's here. This uh 5G cancer causing brain melting holy shit technology. It's here, and it's going to completely change our entire reality. Make no mistake. I'd say as soon as it's, you know, five years from now when it's actually everywhere and everybody has it, there's going to be a lot more people getting cancer. There's going to be a lot more people, uh, you know, just feeling weird, dizzy. You'll see it. I've seen some videos of people taking radiation counters up to regular cell phone towers, the old kind, the ones that are within the more safer spectrum, the non-super high-frequency radio waves or whatever they are, radioactive waves, <laughs> the 5G waves. When those things are flying around. And these people have gotten some very scary results in residential areas. In residential areas. High numbers. And basically what that means is if you're the unlucky sap that has to walk by there every day or live close, then you're going to probably get cancer or something, something bad is going to happen to you. 
that you can be damn sure of. Something awful is going to happen to you. And that's from the regular cell phone towers. So go figure. What do you think is going to happen when we go to 5G? It means your ass is going to get fried. You're going to get cooked like a damn hot dog. Because you are a hot dog. And you're going to taste like a hot dog after what happens to you. Ooh, Daniel, quit fear-mongering. Quit fear-mongering. What are you doing? You sound like Alex Jones. Quit fear-mongering. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm doing. So, in summary, rape culture is real. Marilyn Manson is incredibly freaky. And you know what we haven't done? Hold on. Ugh. You know what we haven't done? You know what we haven't done? The mind blowing. Mind blowing. Mind blowing moment of the day. Oh man, you're blowing my mind. You're blowing my mind, man. You're blowing my goddamn mind. So, whoa, almost dropped my phone. Drop my phone, I drop everything. <laughs> 5G. So, uh, today's mind blowing moment of the day is I'd, I'd have to say the uh, smiley faces being satanic. Who would figure, right? I didn't know that. Me, Daniel, me. I didn't know that. So, that means it's major because I know like everything about the occult by now. So the fact that I didn't know that, that's pretty cool. I learned something new with every show, with every day of my existence. I'm going to keep learning because even if you feel like you know everything, I guarantee you, you've just scratched the surface. You've just scratched the surface. You got to keep reading and keep listening and keep learning until you explode. That's how you do it. You explode. And every time you cause one of these explosions, you get a little smarter, a little quicker on your feet. Next thing you know, you can be a god like me. Oh, whoops. Did I just do that? Did I do that? <laughs> oh, my God. This show's going to piss some people off. That can be sure. But the smiley faces, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, let's see here. Hmm. I'm thinking about that caravan. One thing that I don't understand about that is I'm seeing these long lines and waves of people. And I'm thinking to myself, what happens when you have to take your twice a day dump? What happens when you have to pop a squad and take a shit is what I'm asking. I don't understand how they make that happen. Do they like run off to the side and do the duty and then just like run really super fast to catch up with their family and try to like find a needle in a haystack? Is that how they do it? Do they wear diapers? Do they, are they carrying like porta potties with them? How is it that they are pooping? I heard the caravan is not going to get here for like another month. And for those of you that live in your uh, grandparents' attic, 
if you don't know what's going on out there in the world, there's a huge caravan of people from South America, uh, Middle America, Mesoamerica, Central America. That's what it's called. And Mexico, they're all just uh, forming this huge, giant serpent of people, like this giant wave of people that are all walking as this giant mob, this giant group. It's like an army, and they're they're just coming here, and they're going to come in through San Diego or Texas, most likely San Diego. It's crazy. You got to see the pictures. But that's the big news. That's the whole thing. They're saying uh, George Soros is funding it. There's videos of people walking around like handing money to the people walking <laughs> they're handing the money and oh man am i still recording yeah i'm still recording okay good i know i'm live but am i recording <laughs> that'd be bad uh but uh i don't understand how they go to the bathroom that's my question is why are they doing this? And how do they go to the bathroom? I'm thinking... I'm thinking behind the whole procession, there's got to be just like Hershey Kiss drops behind them of shit piles. Right? Kind of like in India. Who knows? Let's see. What else do we have here? Uh, I had this weird thought. I don't even know why I want to say this, but I was thinking of like what when I was in high school or when I was in junior high school. Wait, can I say this? I was that age when I was that age. So I guess it's okay. But I remember the thing that was like really sexy that I thought was really hot and sexy was when you were in class, right? And there'd be, like, the pretty girl, like, the cheerleader that was sitting in front of you or ahead of you a few seats or something like that. And she'd be, like, leaning forward, and you could just see the tip of her underwear in the back. Like, you could just see the line. I, I remember when I was a teenager, I thought that was just the greatest thing in the world. I was like, oh, man, I hope I get to sit behind, like, so-and-so. Or I hope I get a, like... I hope I, I get position in like the right place so I can get a view like that. That was like a major thing for me. I, I just remember thinking that. <laughs> oh my God. That's probably just the stupidest thing, but it's funny how when you're that age, like the simplest, like innocent thing is just the greatest. Uh, bombs. So, Bombs are being sent out to Hillary Rodham Clinton and Barack Obama and George Soros. That's disturbing. A lot of people are saying that the bombs are fake, but regardless of if they're fake or real, just the idea that any of that is going on is so just strange. Like these times that we live in, it, they're just so strange to think that somebody would send a bomb to Hillary Clinton. <laughs> That's terrible. Um, I think she's a bad person. I think she's an evil person. And I suppose you could say if anybody deserved to get mailed a bomb, it'd probably be her, but that's not right. That's not, she needs to go to jail. She needs to go to prison. She needs to go to jail and she needs to be tried for what she did. And let's not forget that 
Donald Trump also promised, well, he, I guess you could say he didn't promise us, but he told us that he was going to investigate Hillary. And he said that he was going to look into it. And then as soon as he gets elected, like literally the next day, oh, I'm not going to do anything to Hillary. But up until that point, you're going to. So I gave you my vote. And then as soon as you're elected, you say that you're not going to go after her. Well, that's only a little suspicious, right? That's only a little suspicious. Like what happened? What happened to all that bravado? Now she's your friend. That doesn't make any sense. But, you know, ultimately the truth is that they they serve the same masters. The Clintons, Donald Trump, all of these people, George Soros, Elon Musk, Alex Jones, they all work for the same group. Maybe not directly, but somewhere up the chain, they all work for the same group. That big eye in the sky, Sauron, Skynet, It, the movie It, yeah, I'm literally saying It, Cthulhu, Satan, there's so many different names for it, whatever that big evil is, they all work for that somewhere up the chain, and even on a physical earthly level, because they're directly working for the same people, the same people that have all the money, the same people that own all the banks, the same people that run all of those foreign councils, all those special scientific committees like the Jason Society, all those committees like the Club of Rome, the Trilateral Commission, the Council of Foreign Relations, Bohemian Grove, Bilderberg, all that shit, man. It's all the same group. It's all the same cast of characters. You got to take off the blinders. What you got was truth, but you got it twisted. There's always another layer. There's always another layer to the, the deception. And there's no shame in it. I mean, I was the biggest Trump supporter. I probably got him a lot of votes, but the truth is that there are no heroes in the presidency because they're all picked. And that's why you see these corporate favors and things like that. That's the payback. And that's why you see these wars in the Middle East and us bombing other countries. That's the payback and that's the payoff for getting these people in office. Quit talking about politics, Daniel. That's boring. We're talking about politics. Okay, voice in my head. Okay. Uh, I have had to put myself on Twitter restriction because I get way too addicted. I get way too addicted. Like, once you really get into Twitter, it's hard to pull yourself away. It's bad. It's like, hey, I got this big audience out there. All these people care about what I have to say. I'm so important. Next thing I know, I'm crashing into a telephone pole. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's really a waste of time. Let's be honest. Like, if I pull myself off of Twitter, all of a sudden I start getting stuff done. 
all of a sudden my life starts improving again. You don't want to do that. You don't want to piss your life away on social media. It has its place. It has its place ever more and more. But, uh, you know, when you get into these flat earth debates, it can be very draining. (laughs) It can be very draining waking all these people up, doing the Lord's work in his name. Oh, God. So much fun we had this night. Did we not? So much fun. The return of End of Days Radio. The return of Daniel. The return. The new season. Oh, my heart's pounding. Why is that? Why is that? Why is that? We had a few other news stories. Here, hold on. One of these is kind of funny. Let's see. Let's do this real quick. So, Killer Clown tries to force himself into a car from the boltonnews.co.uk. A driver was left terrified after a man wearing a Killer Clown mask tried to force his way into her car. The shocked motorist was stopped at the lights of a busy junction in North Benfleet when she noticed a vehicle pull up too close behind her. Reliving the ordeal on social media, she explained, I just want to make people who are local to us aware that we had an incident on Tuesday night in our car. We were followed up to the pound lane lights near Sadler's farm. I was unnerved straight away as the car behind me parked too close with high beams on. A guy got out and banged on my windows wearing a horror clown mask. Terrified is an understatement. We are okay and it's been past the serious crime unit but please please be careful lock yourselves in your cars he tried my door but i always locked them the man wasn't bright the man wasn't bright though and left a fabulous set of fingerprints on my window please take care the incident happened on tuesday night and the woman wanted to warn other drivers in the area in a message shared on social media she said the appeal received widespread attention has been shared blah 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 all over social media I'm glad the woman is okay. This is the uh, somebody that lives in the area said, I'm glad the woman is okay. I hope this thing does not become more regular ahead of Halloween. Blah, 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 blah. In 2016, several incidents of people wearing killer clown masks and committing pranks were reported across the country, including in Basildon, South End, and Pizia. The trend seems to have returned for 2018 as Halloween approaches with other incidents reported in Dartford, Kent, and Manchester this month. Wow. It is not known whether this was a prank or something more sinister. More sinister. Essex police were contacted for comment, but were unable to respond by the time the echo went to press. Anyone with information is asked to contact Essex police on 101. So this damn clown, it tried to force its way into somebody's car. So close to Halloween, too. Very rude. Very rude behavior. I mean, that happened in the UK. I I think that we can all surmise what would happen if that happened here. (laughs) That clown would have a hole in him pretty quickly. Very, very scary. I mean, I personally, I do not carry a firearm with me, but uh, I see people with them all the time. People are always pulling them out and showing them off. And those clowns just would not live very long around here. 
And people are afraid of clowns too. I mean, anywhere you go, clowns are scary. If there, if a clown was doing that to me, I don't know what I would do. I would probably just think it's somebody like trying to mess with me. And but I mean, that's crazy. It's like, why would somebody try that hard to mess with you? That's just, oh, oh god, I got the creeps just thinking about that. I hate clowns. I hate those freaking scary clown masks too. Uh, I just had to share that one. It seems the clown phenomena has returned. There's a lot of videos out there of what's called clowning, where somebody will put on a clown suit and walk around outside your security cameras so that they, the security cameras see you, and then you go back and look at them, and there's like footage of a freaking clown walking around your house. I think clowns are demonic through and through. Oh, another thing is another really awkward thing is you, are you ever at the grocery store and you're, you see a, a a milf, a, a woman with a kid that's like walking around and shopping and then you're checking her out. I mean, her back is turned and she's looking at stuff on the shelf and you and you sneak a peek, you know, you check out the goods, and the kid's just staring at you like, why are you staring at my mommy? Isn't that the most awkward feeling? Like, that's like, oh, oh no, I feel so bad. <laughs> like, what what is that guy doing? <laughs> you might as well just not even. <laughs> uh... Boy, you know what? I think I'm going to call it a day. I do like to usually go very, very long, as you all know. (laughs) I always get good feedback about it. I always hear, whenever I start doing shorter shows, I always hear, oh, Daniel, could you please return to the really long format where you go on for like three to five hours, preferably five? (laughs) It seems like the more I do the more people can't get enough. Like who would think that anybody would want to listen to five hours of me, but apparently there's people out there that consider that to be pleasurable. (laughs) So I try to do at least three and let's face it. Half the show has a guest on it. So that's pretty easy to get through because it's usually somebody really interesting. Hell, this is end of days radio. And then the second half, we just sit here and chitter chat and jive back and forth and mix it up riff back and forth and we have fun we have fun in these last days these end times these times of the rise of lucifer and the antichrist and the four horsemen of the apocalypse wait hold on the four horsemen the four horsemen oh sorry i was trying to turn an effect on but apparently that just isn't happening (laughs) i have to have that stuff preset but I promise sound effects. No, no, I'm just kidding about that. I would never torture you guys with guys with lame sound effects. So many radio shows and podcasts do that. And I, I'm not against it, but I think if you're going to have that, you should have a whole person doing that throughout the whole show and kind of running it in the background. I don't think you should sit there and push a button like 
oh, hold on, let's stop everything so I could hit this button and everybody will laugh. I, I just don't think that that's a value. <laughs> no. But hey, I've had enough. I've had enough. I'm tapping out tonight. I, d- I did want to uh, say, do some plugs. So everybody go to endofdaysradio.com. Boy, I'm gassing hard. I'm tired. Hold on, let me get some water. Go to endofdaysradio.com for all your end of days radio needs. Go to endofdaysradio.com where you can see an updated upcoming schedule of the shows that we have to do. Oh man, I made it through that whole show. I'm so proud of myself. Here we are at the end. These last days, these last minutes of the show. Here we are. Go to endofdaysradio.com. If you'd like to donate to the show, feel free. As you know, the show is nonprofit, so when you donate, it does help quite a bit. It does help me make ends meet. It does help me uh, keep the show running. It helps cover the expense. So I thank you very much. Uh, donate whatever the show's worth to you. Donate a dollar, donate two dollars, donate five dollars. Whatever it's worth to you. If you just want to listen and not donate, then that is perfectly fine. I am so thankful to have you out there listening. I'm thankful that you give a damn. I'm thankful that you find this information relevant to you. It probably means that you're not stupid. So if you're listening to this show, this is for you. And I'm tipping my glass to you as well. I'm patting you on the back. I'm giving you a very warm hug. Straight from Daniel, End of Days Radio. Because, once again, you guys, you are the wind beneath my wings. You are the reason why I do this show. In all honesty, when I can feel like I'm entertaining you or I'm providing you with some juicy content, something mind-blowing, something that will make you smarter, that will make you more relevant, (laughs) if I can provide that to you, If I can plant a little seed out there, who knows? You might do something similar in the future. You might find yourself with some sort of blog or a podcast or something like that. And you will continue to carry that torch and keep that light lit. to Keep keep those candles lit so that we have some illumination, some true illumination. Not the bad kind of illumination, but the true kind of light and knowledge. So we can have that. I hope that there's people out there that intend to keep that torch lit, keep that lamp burning throughout the darkness, the darkness of the night. And one of these days, we are going to all get together. We are going to shine a light so bright that it illuminates the sky, illuminates the whole universe, our whole reality. In the shadows, they shall recede for 10,000 years, at least. I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. My heart extends out to you. A special thank you to everybody that has helped me get to this point for showing your support for the show through the ups and downs, the good times and the bad. All of you special folk out there who helped me keep this weight on my shoulders Help me keep this uh, 
this whole earth on my shoulders help me hold holding the you guys are helping me hold the entire world on my shoulders you're helping me hold the universe up that's what you're doing for me you are the foundation of my existence and my my determination to do this show i know that sounded weird as fuck right now but that's about as real of a thing i can say at this very moment <laughs> so thank you so much thank you thank you thank you again and again my ongoing gratitude is probably boring at this point so in clothing in closing and in clothing in clothing and in closing i will tell you guys that i will be back doing this show from now on on a very regular basis uh, expect to have a new show each week and we're going to continue on with a brand new season of end of days radio and we're going to take it to a whole new level i feel as fired up as i ever have this show has reached a critical mass and has reached um, far and wide and so many people out there know what end of days radio is and so many people out there eat it up every little bit of it and I intend to provide. I, I intend to provide those little niblets for you guys. So stay tuned for those niblets. And I wish you a good night.
fuck y'all. <laughs>